What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? I'm Kelly Warrior, Shane. Soda. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Maple syrup. Bella. I would never have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Welcome to the Dive Bar of the IWC. Welcome to episode one of Wrestling on the Rocks. I am at Ref Marsh. We are at WTR the show. With me today to break down WrestleMania 38 and the Fallout. I've got with me, as per usual, the old sports beard. Say what's up, sports beard. Hey everyone, how's it going? Thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming in and having a drink with us. And having a drink with us today, our guest champion, as it were, we got Grim Reaper. Hello, everybody. Hey, Notable, notable uh, uh, chat contributor, Grim Reaper. Senior chat contributor. Senior chat contributor, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, we got Drew Cypher in the chat already saying, hey, hey, what's up, Drew? Cheers to you. Thanks for coming in and uh, having hey, a drink with us. Uh, let's start off uh, real simple so we can get right into it. I don't think we're really going to dig into any news. I don't think there's any news uh, that's ultimately super relevant uh, uh, to the, our conversation today, talking about WrestleMania and the Fallout. Uh, and I'd rather take the time to talk about WrestleMania and the Fallout. So uh, let's dive in just a little bit. Beard, what's in your glass? What are you drinking? Oh, doing the uh, traditional Paloma with Terramana. Got to rep the rock stuff. Oh, yeah. I brought Remember the bottle you... with me, because this is going to be a long episode, I assume. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. <laughs> uh, Grim Reaper, what are you drinking? What do you got there? I got the token green bottle, rocking the Heineken. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, for whatever reason, Heineken is my go-to uh, airplane beer. I think because it's the same price as, as the domestics. And I go, okay, well, for the same price, I'll go Heineken. Well, you fancy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I am for the month uh, uh, not drinking alcohol or sodas. Today I am having a Slim Fast Keto shake uh, as a little little meal replacement there. Uh, trying to cut a little bit of weight this month, and I went pretty heavy last month. I went real heavy for WrestleMania, man. I was having pizzas. It was good. I went. I was like, I I went at keto like it had offended me. Did everything I could against it. Keto owed you money. Yeah, like he don't owe me money. <laughs> they wronged my family. I had milkshakes, fries. Yeah, I was going heavy. So I was like, all right, so now for the month, let's clean out. Let's detox. Let's do it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm happy everyone's coming through. It's not about what you're drinking. It's who you're drinking with. We're happy you're having a drink with us today. I say we just dive right in unless there's anything you guys want to talk up off, uh, off the top. Well, I, the only thing I would say is, did you news-wise, did you want to talk about the Hall of Fame? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that as our new segment. Because that's separate from, you know, all the matches and stuff. And sure. I know we didn't talk about that. Um, I thought everybody that got in was super incredible. And, you know, The Undertaker's, I think, is going to go down as maybe the greatest Hall of Fame speech ever. I mean, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I just thought it was, you know, it was good. It was so good. Uh, I got and I had to watch it way after everybody else did being here in Alaska. So like, um, I actually had to wait for the replay to load up to Peacock 
so oh. I could watch it. It was great. Yeah. Oh. And of course. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. I was going to say, of course, I I could have missed the entire thing because they recapped almost all of it during WrestleMania, (laughs) which is cool. And again, I know why they do that. We talk about that. I appreciate that they do it for the people that miss it because it was so well done, I thought. Yeah, you get the gist of it for sure. I was talking to Kevlar today, and uh, actually he didn't get to watch Hall of Fame, but he saw the the recap clips on Mania, and it actually made him feel more like he's got to uh, uh, go back and watch the full entirety of it. So, you know, kind of did the trick there too. Uh, Grim, what did you think about it? Overall, presentation was great. I mean, for the 20 and 2021 classes, we had that clippy version of mm-hmm. the shortened version of the speeches, then you can go on YouTube and watch the actual length of the speech and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, though, was great. Uh, you know, the uh, the acts, you know, got enough time given to them, depending on their, you know, I would say level of contribution, but essentially level of, you know, star power, if you will. Um, you know, I mean, enough enough can't be said about the Undertaker speech. Um, you know, first off, uh, I actually counted it was like five and a half minutes after the music ended of people standing and clapping and cheering and giving him his due, um, you know, obviously, you know, just deserved. Um, I really thought it was cool in the beginning of his speech that Undertaker said, Oh, hi, uh, my name is Mark Calloway. This is peering behind the curtain. I'm not going to go through the whole speech talking like the Undertaker, like just, no, this is Mark. I'm going to give you, go through my story. Who's helped me along the way? Everyone I've wrestled, you know, uh, 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 Vince McMahon's intro was awesome, you know, um, and just uh, the stories were great. Uh, the tombstone on the escalator, all that was awesome. But just the fact that Undertaker was just opening up and saying, this is Mark, and I'm going to tell you what my reflection is on my career for 30 years. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I only – there was only two things in the Hall of Fame that I just thought was uh, was was just – not perfect. I would have given Steiner Brothers an extra one or two minutes. That's all. Okay, uh, I don't think yeah. they needed a ton more time, but uh, sure. they could have used one or two more minutes. Uh, and I don't think that would have hurt the show overall. Uh, okay. And I, uh, but outside of that, I thought everyone else had a perfect amount of time. They're the only, the only uh, act, as it were, that I felt was felt slightly shorted. Like I felt like I could have gone more. Everyone else, I felt like that was perfect, absolutely perfect every time. Uh, and then the only thing I thought was weird. Was Undertaker didn't mention Mick Foley at all, and I thought that was weird, and I wonder what that was about. Yeah, I was waiting for the oh, and then Hell in a Cell, in my career, or something with Foley, yeah. or not even the greatest match ever. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. One of the most famous matches to ever happen, and he just kind of uh, uh, he didn't even mention it. He didn't even gloss over it. I just wonder if maybe he was just trying to stay with people who were in the room and people who he had lost. Because he was spent time talking about friends he had lost, uh, uh, and then pointed at a few people in the crowd, and so it was just a little weird in that. In that, uh, uh, Drew yeah. also in the chat brings up he didn't mention Austin either. Yeah, they had a pretty yeah. fucking good rivalry too. I just wonder yeah, if he, he was said, keeping it to who's in the room. Yeah, Drewsper said uh, he, they called it. His, someone called his speech a dead talk, like a TED talk. Um, yeah. I'll say this. Uh, I I thought he did it very off the cuff, so I thought maybe he might have just forgotten to mention people because it was it felt like it was a a much more of an impromptu speech than it was a planned rehearsed thing. 
And I think that's why he, like uh, Grim Reaper said, he did the, hey, this is Mark Calloway. I'm just going to try to summate 30 years into what, which essentially was it, was it under an hour? It wasn't that long. It didn't feel like yeah. a long speech to me. I think if that shows you that it was good. I wanted yeah. to say one thing about one other speech. Miss Charmel, incredible speech. Yeah. I just thought with the time she was given and she got out so much information. And I know that Booker T and her are revered behind the scenes quite a bit. And uh, yeah. so I, I thought that was awesome. That speech was really good. And it will it'll always get a little bit shadowed because it was the day The Undertaker retired. But I thought her speech was, I, again, I, all of them were great. Yeah, I, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I agree with you, too, the Steiner brothers. You could have given them another four minutes. I think that I, maybe they were nervous to give them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> Do we have the connection on it was does the cow story just to say, hey, we were with Macho Man, it was a good time, like just I was trying to you know, I don't know if there was a connection or a punchline to that, or it was just, hey, the one time we went over and we played with the cows. I don't know if there's a connection. I heard someone speculate and I don't buy into it, but the only speculation I heard about why it was that story was just that it was the first Macho Man story he could think of, and there is all those rumors that Vince is not a fan of Macho Man. I ah. I don't buy into that, uh, but I do think that it was just kind of one of those... I think he just wanted to tell a funny road story, and that came to mind. You know what I mean? Like Because it was a non-wrestling story, and I think most of his stories are either debaucherous or in-ring related, and that might be one of his few safe good stories he could tell of outside of the ring stuff. That's kind of what, that's my impression I got. Is it Macho Man in the Hall of Fame? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think so, but he actually might not be. Oh, I was going to say, didn't he get in before he passed away too, I thought? Definitely not. No, it oh, was, okay, okay. Um, there was a, there was a video that was done, um, there was a yeah. video that was done uh, after he passed away. Um, I believe he was inducted WrestleMania. I think it was 31. It was uh, 2013, yeah. Yeah. Drucifer says maybe it was the only story he could tell that didn't involve a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think a lot of Scott's stories are debaucherous in one way or another. I think they involve alcohol, drugs, weapons, or women. <laughs> I think that he was like, this is a safe story. Yeah. I think he's like, well, this is safe. I can do this. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good story. I, I, I don't, yeah. I Again, I think they were shortchanged maybe for a reason. So. Yeah. I think, I think they were trying to play it safe. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want that going down the wrong road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think because they also know all of his stories are debaucherous. So they want to tell one safe story and get off. <laughs> So, hey, Justin, time in the chat. He is in the Hall of Fame, and cheers, my dive bar friends. Nice to yeah. see you, Justin. Time. Yeah, it looks every like time I hear it on the show, I'm like, Justin, time. Yeah, it looks like he got put in 2013. He was inducted by uh, Hogan and Lanny Poffo, his brother, is the one who did the speech for him. So, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Outside of that, I thought red beans and rice went over huge. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> It was such a funny moment because he said, oh, we were eating red beans and rice, just like moving a story along. And then the crowd cheered for that. And you turned around, he's like, red beans and rice. And I'm like, woo! And I was like, how is beans and rice over? It's way over. But, uh, I think it was like, like a Texas delicacy from the southern, you know. It's got to be, right? 
Who doesn't like red beans and rice? Yeah, but who cheers it? Like, that's what I mean. It's got to be a Texas staple, you know? I think the crowd from the Hall of Fame through WrestleMania, SmackDown was one of the best crowds ever. They were amped. They were ready for every fucking thing. And I did love that. I'm glad you timed it. The five and a half minutes. I loved that you could tell that, that Callaway was trying to get his shit together to get his speech going. And the crowd wouldn't let him. They just needed to shower him with love the way that they that they knew they had to. Because the last two times he came out to do something for the fans, there were no fans. The Boneyard match was his final match with no fans. His retirement ceremony was in front of no fans. And so I think they knew we have to make up for two years of him doing stuff for us and not being able to say his goodbyes. We have to just, like... You can project energy, and I have felt it. Like when I was in the second row 2019 Rumble, when Becky won, you felt it like a wave behind you just whoosh outward. Cool. It's insane when those when those moments happen. And I feel that that crowd knew they had to push that energy down to him and help make him feel it. They, they understood the assignment, as it were, right? Trucifer says, Red Beans and Rice got a bigger pop than Madcap Moss winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. Red I Beans think a and lot Rice of people, is over. I think a lot of people are like, what? <laughs> he's a good yeah. wrestler, though, so like, it didn't bother me. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, and he's a heel. They shouldn't. But still, I agree, and I laugh about it, because that's what I mean. Red Beans and Rice is over, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody could come out as a character, Red Beans and Rice. It'll probably be received better than Ezekiel. I'm just saying. I think if they had, you know, a new Hall of Fame shirt of The Undertaker in the back of it's just a plate of red beans and rice, I think it would sell. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. There were two, there, there's something that in, in Mr. Vance's you know, induction of The Undertaker that he said, and, you know, Vince has only inducted one other person, oh, well, at least recently, was Austin and yeah. then also um, Undertaker. And, you know, Vince said in his induction towards the end that there there's no one like in terms of the undertaker, you know, no one's more deserved to be in this hall of fame than the undertaker, which is absolutely true. And what he said about Austin was he is the greatest wrestling superstar of all time. So that's coming straight from Vince's mouth, you know, just the moniker for both of them, but especially for undertaker saying, you know, this isn't legitimate hall of fame until you're in and now you're in. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think there's also a difference between being the biggest star and having one of the greatest rivalries in Austin and McMahon. And I think that Undertaker, it's not to say Steve didn't likely mean a lot backstage. I think Undertaker took a lot of the weight of backstage on himself. I mean, we've even heard the stories of the of the Montreal Screwjob, how Undertaker was at the curtain. You know what I mean? We've heard about uh, um, him being around and telling people before they went out you're going to do this thing the way we want it. Like he was kind of an enforcer. He was kind of a guy who would check people. He was, he was also the single most loyal. Once he got there, there was no turning around. They also said, uh, I think it was on McAfee's show that, that Vince had mentioned at no time during the Monday night wars whatsoever, during any negotiation was WCW ever brought up by either party. They, neither one of them ever said, what about, you know, it was just, I feel like that it was a, a matter of business, a matter of fact, and this is what what I'm willing to give you, and sir, yes, sir. And I think that he was probably the most loyal soldier he'd ever had working with him, and they became so close because of that, you know? Which is crazy because the whole point of people talk about the competition being best for the boys is the idea of being able to negotiate off the concept 
of another promotion paying more and the idea that that was never part of either one's negotiation strategy says a lot. So yeah, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Hall of Fame. Kev was talking to me today about it and he said it might go down as one of the single strongest classes where there's just almost no wavering concept of of anyone being because there's always a discussion that's always shitty where people are like, oh, does this person deserve it or not? There was like none of that this time. Everyone who went in, people said, yes, years ago they should have gone in. Every time. Yes, please. Yes, about time. This was a, a finally an about time for everyone in that class, which is awesome. Yeah, Vader's family speech was good too. Like we didn't acknowledge nice. that, but like, yeah, very good. Yeah, Vader's was nice. Chad Gaspar's was really cool. almost like a magical moment of television. Like I was when I was describing it earlier to someone, um, it was like sometimes you see in movies or TV shows where they go back and they like create these like little moments that were like seemingly recorded by by things, and you can tell it's pretty staged. You know, this had a level of almost feeling stage except you knew it couldn't because everything was just that perfect and it made it I think even that much more powerful that his whole life and his whole relationship with his kid was almost so strong and perfect that if you didn't know any better you'd swear it was staged do you know what I mean like that's awesome it's so cool all those social media clips you know Instagram clips and everything just all those videos you could just see the love was pouring off the screen yeah. you just knew it and yeah i mean that is the ultimate sacrifice you know protecting your child the best you can even if that means for you know giving yourself up and he did that so yes to for him to be enshrined in the hall of fame as a warrior award winner um you know he deserves it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. said from the point of taker was told no one will ever pay money to see you he had a point to prove yeah he had a giant chip on his shoulder his entire career for it i'm pretty sure yeah, and he was never going to have someone pay to see him for someone else ever again, especially not the company that told him no one would pay to see you, you know, yeah. so. But, yeah, no, Hall of Fame was awesome. Really loved it. I thought it was a great start to the to the weekend, to be honest. Like, I know SmackDown was a lead-in, but it really felt like Hall of Fame was the lead-in to me, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, I almost don't remember anything from SmackDown because of how great WrestleMania was. Yeah, I agree, dude. I I. I don't have a single note about SmackDown. Uh, I was just going to move through it because it was a setup for Mania to get you excited for Mania. Uh, I think it did just fine, but I don't think there was anything that was any more stand-up. Than, yeah. Um, what happened here? Here we go. Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a few things. All right, cool. Uh, well, let's talk Mania. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's see. So it did start out with the Usos and Boogs and Shinsuke. And this was one that was kind of heartbreaking to watch because I do feel like the way that it, that played out, obviously Rick Boogs knee buckled. He tore his quad and his patella, uh, rolled out getting medical attention. And you can see the Usos and Shinsuke and the ref all talking to each other a lot because they're trying to figure out what are we doing? And then quickly thereafter, they finish up the match. Usos win. And I feel like we're wa- we were watching in real time a conversation happen of what do we do because they were supposed to win. I feel like after that it looked more poised than ever that Shinsuke and Boogs were going to win that match. But then clearly that was going to be a problem. So uh, uh, Yeah, it would have been hard to, to say they won without Boogs. But I, I think just watching it, I knew right away. I, I remember telling you we were doing the live stream. I go, oh, oh, I think Boogs is hurt. Like right when it happened, I go, that – 
And McAfee has said several times on his show this week that they shut it out Monday, and then today they talked about it again. The Boogs has apparently done that, like, two people thing, like, a bunch of fucking times. Yeah. So, yeah, so really big, huge bummer that that happened. I think that, I think maybe people probably, if you thought that was an ominous moment for the thing, it totally wasn't, because everything else, I mean, I know we think there was one more injury, but uh, I don't know, it was pretty darn good. Yeah, and it was a rough, a rough start. Go ahead, Grim. I was going to say, too, in terms of, I know you're saying, Marsh, that, you know, it was like, oh, clearly they might have, the, Us- the um, Usos were going to lose and Shinsuke and Boos were going to take it. But also sometimes it's a rush to the finish where the Usos were going to win. It's just, oh, well, Boos is out. We got to make it happen. As, you know, uh, Sportsbeat, you were just saying earlier about the other potential injury with Roman and Brock. We'll get to that later on. That could have been a rush to the finish as well, based on the result that was needed. Um, but just overall, the tag match was good. Usos are always solid. And, you know, the picture of all four titles in the bloodline right now looks pretty awesome anyway. Uh, so, but again, um, you know, Boogs, you know, cheers to you, sir. Hopefully, uh, you know, you uh, rest yeah. up and get healed up very quickly. Yeah, cheers you. to the return. I actually yeah. felt like that the Roman Brock was a good example of getting to the finish now. And I felt like Usos and Shinsuke was a, a good example of seeing the finish change. Because if you watch both of them at the same time, uh, Roman and Brock talk a little bit, but not a lot. And then they get to the finish. R- the Usos, Shinsuke, and the ref are all circling each other like buzzards. Tri- what the fuck are we going to do? Well, you know what I mean? Like, so, well, but Ref Marsh, and I apologize, uh, it just what? felt like it happened way early. Yeah, well, Roman and Brock had been going for a minute. I know I initially on the live stream I was critical of it. I went back and watched the match when I didn't have technical difficulties because I missed about five minutes of the match. Because remember, I you know in our initial reactions I couldn't remember if Brock had landed an F five probably because I didn't see it because my 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 stuff went out. But yeah, I felt like that match was adequately long enough to 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 suffice getting yeah. to the finish where I mean we it felt like Shinsuke and Boogs had just started against the Usos. Like exactly was very early in the match. So And I think that's why you'd have the difference with uh Roman and Brock just saying, fuck it, take it home. We've given them enough. It's okay. And I think with the uh, with the Usos and Boogs that it's more of a how are we going to do this? How do you want to do this? What do we do here? And that's why you look like they were stalling and figuring it out. It just seemed to me like a two different conversations happening between fuck it, take it home, and all right, how are we going to pull this off? And they both did masterful jobs of it in their own way, uh, but it was a, a total bummer to see Boogs go down like that when you knew it was going to be his moment, it felt like, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then let's talk about the second match uh, real quick. Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. McIntyre gets the win and then attempts to murder Moss with a sword and cuts the ring ropes in an attempted murder slot uh, at the grandest stage of them all. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Beard? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the match. I thought it was great. They had, such a good build, they had such a good build up for that story, too. Like, you really wanted to see Happy Corbin get his ass beat by Drew McIntyre if you like yeah. Drew McIntyre. If you're smart and intelligent wrestling fan and you like Drew McIntyre, <laughs> you no. I'm just saying, like I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match, and especially after kind of the initial shock of what happened with Boogs, I thought. And I know they cut the ropes or whatever, but 
Like what you know? I mean, uh, we we've had this discussion ad nauseum. Should he use that as a? I mean, I don't see it any different than Hackshaw Jim Duggan with the with the two by four. You know, it's just a prop. I know it's a weapon that you can allegedly kill people with, but I you know, I mean, if he hits them with the flat part of the sword, it probably bends like this. <laughs> yeah, pointless. So yeah, it's about time he's used it though, because so many times I would just be like. Is he going to skewer somebody or something? Okay, just, all right, sounds good. So I'm glad he cut the ropes with it just to show, ah, it's a real sword the whole time or whatever. Right. So The, the sword uh, but, payoff. <laughs> right, the sword payoff. And then now just McIntyre can move on yeah. from mm-hmm. from the whole situation. Happy Corbin and Moss just move on to the next chapter at this point. And I do think it poises McIntyre to be in the conversation of a title picture. I think because he came out strong, he won strong against two of those guys, I think it puts him in a good position to move that direction. Um, Drew brings up a good point in the chat, too, that he's surprised they still use ropes and not cables and that he almost got all three. I thought about that, too. On that third one, he just slowed down enough to where he didn't get it. But I was like, when I saw it, too, I was like, he got close to all three. That was was cool. I actually thought that part was cool. Yeah. Um, A couple parts of the match I want to call out. I'm I'm a fan of the Corbin slide under the ropes and slide yes. back around the other side of the ropes uh, around the post and under the ropes. Very smooth. I always mm-hmm. like that transition with him, even since back at NXT. Um, really like that with him. That's the um, um, above a Ray Stevens. That's a big boss man move he pulled from yes. the archives. It's really cool. Um, and the other part too is um, the. Um, Another character that wielded a weapon like oh. man. He had the nightstick. Yeah, not a gun. The 3-2-1 <laughs> three, countdown before the Claymore, the crowd's into the 3-2-1. Uh, I mean, the crowd loves counting along, but that's a connection to the audience. It's coming. 3-2-1. Bang. Match over. I don't like it. I don't like yeah, I, I love it. I think the crowd loves it so much, too. And then they were so into it. And I think anytime you can get the crowd into it, it's not any different than Shinsuke coming out with the guitar. I know it's a, I know, I know Ref Marsh's criticism of it is it's a, Hey, I'm about to kick you and I'm going to count the three really effing slow. And the whole crowd is going to do it. I get it. But like, there is something that being a little bit theatrical in the ring as well, which is very much like classy, Freddie Blassie, like old school wrestling type stuff. So HBK tuning up the band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. If you liked HBK doing it, but you don't like it, it's just because he hates Drew McIntyre. No, I didn't like HBK doing it first off. But secondly, uh, uh, the difference between HBK doing it is he's stomping on the on the ring apron. It doesn't have to necessarily be I'm counting down to I kick you, and the crowd's not counting around too. The crowd's not going like he's gonna kick you, and the person goes, oh, I guess I better get kicked, like. It was it was a, a stomp and clapping. It's any it's a, it's a similar noise than you'd hear in any other part of a match. Is is what made it kind of work and not seem ob- obnoxious. Uh, but I did like that because the crowd was counting the first time. Corbin got out of the way. Yeah, because he was go. he didn't look. So Corbin was able to utilize that and make a smart maneuver as a as a performer and say he's going to get out. And then the next time he did it, he was so beat up that he couldn't do anything about it, which was kind of nice the way that he played that. Um, Andrew says Randy Orton with the fist pounding like I said those are all noises you would hear otherwise this is literally an announcement this is an announcement over the intercom I am about to do my move on you that's what annoys me about it is it's not just I'd rather he be clapping 
than counting. You know what I mean? Like anything that sounds like a noise you might otherwise hear. I would be fine if you had a bell that he was ringing. <laughs> a triangle. But uh, the crowd is the one counting. Yeah. And that's what annoys me. Because the crowd. They love it. The crowd. 100,000 people screaming he's going to kick you. And then the person goes, I better not move. Eh, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I will say, though, overall, it was a pretty good match. I just didn't like the. Uh, McIntyre uh, kicked out of the end of days, but I did appreciate Baron Corbin's playing off of that moment because it was one of the few moments where you see a performer land their finish and show total shock that it didn't end the match, and it actually makes sense. Because a lot of times people will kick out of a bunch of stuff, and then someone, and every time they're like, how could it be? Like, Ruby Soho is probably one of the worst offenders at it, where uh, her and Adam Cole both, they'll do a move that's not even their finish, and the person kicks out, and they just over-exaggerate, like they're being scared with a chainsaw, that this person didn't stay down. And you're like, you've literally never won with that move before, and you're acting like this is the most shocking thing of your life. It's a little weird. Corbin was able to play off the fact that no one had ever, had ever kicked out at the end of days. And he had this, like, what? And he looked at the referee like, are you sure it's not your fault? Because I know that move works, right? Uh, it was a cool moment for Corbin. But I don't like people kicking out of finishes too too much. And I liked it, how protected his finish was. More of the, you know, I remember when um, Cactus Jack kicked out of the pedigree Royal Rumble 2000. Triple H flipped out at Earl Hebner. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? First time everyone saw him kicked out of the pedigree. Huge deal. But that was a heavyweight title match. One of the bigger matches of, of uh, Cactus Jack and Triple H. You know, the yep. moment called for it. Yep. To kick out at end of days in a in an opening match of WrestleMania. I understand it's WrestleMania, but, and I understand also this is the end of their feud, hopefully. End of their feud. Maybe it called for it, but I don't know. I'm still I'm still out to lunch on it like you are, Marsh. Yeah, even with, with Cactus Jack, and then I'll go to you, Beard. With Cactus Jack, when he kicked out of the pedigree, a lot of that was also trying to put over how goddamn tough is Cactus Jack. What is it going to take to put him down? Because it was putting over how tough Triple H was. They needed to give a legitimacy to Triple H on a hardcore level, and so it was important that a guy like Cactus Jack not go down yet, especially after we'd seen Cactus go through so much other stuff. Uh, in this one, it was a pretty light match in that regard. It wasn't It wasn't so hard-hitting. It wasn't a ton of weapons. It wasn't like the heart of two lions facing off. It was a, a grudge match of two people who were having a match. Like I didn't feel like it quite called for it yet either. I feel like I would have liked it from a bigger moment. Uh, Beard, what were you going to say? Yeah, Drusifer says, remember when – he just remembers when a DDT and one super kick used to do the job. And I get that. Here's what I'll say as devil's advocate. I just feel like a lot of these guys have limited – move sets now very few bring their own finisher to the table it's an imitation of something else you know kevin owens anyway who's great by the way nothing but i'm just saying like you know uh i think that's why you're seeing that a lot grim reaper is your seat i don't think the finisher means what it meant 20 years ago 15 years ago even 10 years ago i just i, I think that that I'm not saying they're less talented, but don't get me wrong there. I think they know more, but they're not doing as much. They're not taking as big a risks at times. Um, so I just, you know, 
Uh, I didn't even notice that that was his finishing move because uh, I hadn't seen Corbin wrestle in such a long time. Yeah, that was the other thing, too, you know, so... Uh, yeah, so... Corbin also, he did something they used to do a lot, um, and I'll even hearken it back to the single super kick, the Shawn Michaels thing. When you watch, I think what happened was, I feel like that Shawn Michaels and Triple H changed the industry at a certain point where using your finish in each match became necessary, where it didn't always have to be that way. If you watch, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, right at the beginning of, uh, when he wins the Intercontinental title as he's moving over towards the World Championship... He oftentimes wins with moves that are not the super kick. He used sweet chin music when the other move wouldn't do it, and this was like his his back pocket, yeah. kick your head off kind of a deal. And if he just couldn't do the thing, that's how he would do it, and that's how he won the big matches in the big moments. But a lot of matches used to get won by roll-ups or, or a secondary move. That's where the signature moves came from. Uh, uh, Corbin actually did that, and it wasn't the end of days. What was the other one he does that? Six. The deep six, he would win a lot of matches with too. So that way he could do a deep six. Someone might kick out of that. He might then do the thing. Or he'd win with the deep six. You never saw the end of days. Like, he was good about balancing that. I think we were, because we were toying with who's going to and when. And like I feel with Graham, it was, it didn't feel quite important enough. I wish a title was on the line. Or I wish it was like a no holds barred match or just something a little bit more. But I agree with you too that they do stay limited and they do all do their finishes every match now. And it didn't used to be that way. So. They have to play with that uh, some way. Oh, I feel like, at least. Um, and then there's some people where they kick out of every finish every time. Like uh, That was my big complaint with NXT with Adam Cole is I never saw his finish work. He always had to do it like three or four times. And I was like, I was like, why doesn't he do a move that's more powerful? It seems like it's not a good move. <laughs> like, But... Uh, but because they thought the storytelling was in that they didn't go down for this important move, but they did it so much it watered down the move. So I think there's a balance. We probably won't see someone kick out of the end of days again for another year or two, and we'll be okay again, you know? Yeah. Because um, Drew's supposed to be a big badass. He is a big Scottish warrior, and I think that does help him. It does help his story, and that's what I mean. It does feel like to me it poises him for a world title shot at least coming up. Um. Man, I didn't want to go through each match, but all these matches are so goddamn good because right after that, we got the Logan Paul stuff. Yeah, that was a great match. And uh, I got to say, like, I know we, a lot of people hate him. I am not one of those people. That was incredible. I also love The Miz. I know you despise The Miz, Ref Marsh. I think he's one of the greatest heels of all time. I think by the time he retires, people will revere him. Um, and he's already been doing it for a good long time. Uh, I was in sports beer. That is not a recency bias take. He's the top 10 heel of all time. He's in the top 10 list, yeah. at least. So yeah, he, it was so play. good. He's so good. Uh, you know, I, I'll say this about The Miz. He never does anything in the ring that's, like, spectacular, but he never does anything that I feel like is unsafe. He seems like he's very works well with uh, his uh, thing. And Logan Paul was in phenomenal shape. And, again, uh, if I didn't watch the pre-show when his brother was on there, who was probably more reviled than his brother mm-hmm. – uh, Jake Paul, uh, I didn't know that he was a he won Ohio State championship in collegiate wrestling, and that was when those kids were already pretty famous. So their mm-hmm. their work, I mean, he was in phenomenal shape, and his yeah. costume was awesome. The fact that he had a five million dollar Pokemon card around his, and again, Ref Marsh and I talk about this all the time. 
the WWE does a great job of bringing uncommon eyes to their product. It's bringing in people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans. And what better stage than WrestleMania? I thought it was a great freaking match. Yeah. Yeah. Graham, what do you think about this one? So first of all, I did mark out a little bit. I I still have my Pokemon cards from back in the day. <laughs> that came out with the Illustrator. That is a, that is a huge flex. Pokemon World. You know, back when he was when he was doing his boxing, he would come out with the Charizards and everything. That was a huge card back in the day. So huge flex, and at least in the the trading card community. Um, I I also I liked the, their colors were yellow and black, like Pikachu in Pokemon. So I, I thought I saw the connection there a little bit because mm-hmm. Pikachu's on the Illustrator card. So yes, I'm making those 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 uh, those connections outside of wrestling. Um, uh, Logan Paul, no surprise, good strikes. Like the strikes oh, yeah. looked look tight, you know. Like it's like he does this for a living, right? So just you know, the good strikes there. Um, I think Dominic is becoming more smooth in the ring as the mm-hmm. months go on. Obviously, you know his dad is is on top, but his Asai moonsault he did was was pretty awesome. Um, so I think he's getting a little more a little more crisp, a little more smooth, and maybe like the nerves aren't as as you know, bundled as they were when he joined up, you know, about eighteen months ago or so, um, and then just the, um, uh, and then of course, you know, you know, uh, Paul has to get Logan Paul has to get the uh, the, the the heat on doing the three amigos, you know, mm-hmm. getting trying to get everyone, you know, to you know, yeah, taking yeah. that away from the Mysterios the and everything. That was awesome. Yeah, the shake with the frog splash, um, you know, in terms of the match, just overall good. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of people compare Logan Paul to Bad Bunny in this, and I actually feel that that's not the right comparison. I feel like that we really should be comparing Logan Paul to to Pat McAfee, because the thing about Bad Bunny, and here's the difference: Pat, Bad Bunny put on a celebrity match with flashy moves to make people know that he cared and he was trying and working hard, and it was successful, and it was a lot better than anybody expected it to be, than it had any business being. But it was a lot of flash and a lot of smoke and mirrors to make it a big celebrity wrestling match that felt like a celebrity wrestling match. If you'd put a mask on Logan Paul here, you'd swear this is a guy who's been not doing it for decades, but a guy who's been doing it for like two years, maybe three years, and getting the first time at a big stage. Like He came off as a young wrestler, not as a celebrity trying to make a splash. Yeah, And that was crazy. I think we all thought initially that that was going to be that type of celebrity match sort of thing. And I don't know about you. I I thought the Mysterios were going to win. Not only did that not happen, then we got the Miz turn on Logan Paul. I I thought it was an incredible match for what we thought it was going to be. I mean, I thought it was going to be a shiny piece of poo, and it was was just awesome. It was a great great match from start to finish. I couldn't believe how it was such a good wrestling match. Because yeah, we're just watching I, going, this is good. Go. Yeah, sorry. I, I did want to chime in one thing about Dominic Mysterio. I was not a big, like, I was a little on the fence about him when I first came back. He gets better every match. I agree with Grim. He gets mm-hmm. better every match. Yep. And that dude's gone through a master class. If you look at all the matches he's had on the way up, they're pairing him with the greatest people they can ever pair him with. And he's learning. He comes off like he's a sponge, doing his best to get better every time. And I think it's awesome. Also, how cool is this for Ray and Dominic? Just yeah, to yeah. do this, just to have this. This there's a really good chance this goes down as Ray Mysterio's favorite moment of his entire career. 
know yeah. what I mean? Just because he got yeah. to have that moment, that entrance with his son. Yeah, we talked about that in the live stream, and because uh, we don't know how much longer he'll do it, and I, I agree, I agree. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Yeah, I just thought it was awesome. Logan Paul's doing great. What do you think about? I want to know what Grim Reaper thinks because we already heard about Beard. You like that Miz turned on him because you you like Logan Paul enough. You think you're going to be able to cheer him, Grim? Do you think the wrestling community is going to be able to cheer Logan Paul, or do you think you? Because Logan Paul has said he does not want to be a heel. He wants to be beloved. I think that's an uphill battle, but I don't know. Especially considering how well we thought he did doing the heat spots like you had already thrown out there. He's a natural at getting heat. What do you think about him wanting to be beloved and the Miz turn? It's going to be, you know, the the Miz is a maestro with the mic. It's mm-hmm. going to have to be that. The Miz is going to have to mm-hmm. serenade and, you know, be the maestro, you know, making the people. It would be more of people hate Miz more than Logan Paul. So, all right, I'll cheer Logan Paul because I hate the Miz. It's going to start out that way just to get some type of cheers going for Logan Paul. Where it goes from there, might it fall flat like it did for Rousey, you know, cheer in the Mm -hmm. beginning, and then, oh, wait a minute. No, we're supposed to be booing her. She's supposed to be this badass. You know, maybe it might go that way. But it has to start with the Miz essentially – no polar, you know the uh, the reaction is a polar opposite because it's the Miz to cheer Logan yeah. Paul. Sort of like how Braun Strowman accidentally became a babyface because they put him in a program against Roman when people did not want to like Roman. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. This is going to be completely relying on the Miz. So this might be the biggest testament to Miz's uh, abilities. If this works, it's all because of the Miz. If it falls flat, it's because not even the Miz can do it. <laughs> and to couple it on to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. He beat Dominic in a minute 40. Skull crushing finale, match over. Veer shows up. Miz moves on to the next chapter. So I could see maybe a SummerSlam match between the both of them to move on to the next part. So Miz is moving away from the Mysterios at this point. So the next chapter should be Logan Paul at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have a question about that since you brought it up. And yeah. I don't know if we'll get to it. Did that make sense to you that Veer attacked the Mysterios? Like, they, I thought for sure he was coming in as a baby face, too. Like, that was fucking weird. I, I didn't, that made no sense to me at all. That made almost as much sense to me as Ezekiel, mm-hmm. Elias' younger brother. I don't know. That just didn't make any sense to me. Ref what do you think, Grim? Oh, I was say, the only thing about Veer that was poppy about his entrance was. Oh my gosh, he finally debuted. He's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> only, the only thing, it was just the beginning pop. And then outside of that, he has bad guy written all over him. His facial expressions, the way his promos were set up, you know, outside of the joke of when is he ever going to, um, you know, debut, <laughs> he is a bad guy. And what better way to make your mark as a bad guy than to attack the Mysterios? So they already strapped the rocket on him at this point, at least to get him in a program with them. I was hoping they never debuted him. <laughs> he just got promos yeah. for five more years. Yeah. Uh, I I agree that I thought it was really weird. If if I'm if I'm reading between the lines, uh, and watching kind of the the presentation of it, I will say that ultimately I'm. I am a little disappointed in the Veer stuff because I have a feeling, knowing nothing and being nobody, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that the reason Veer took months to debut is they didn't have anything for him alone. 
coming up through WrestleMania. I wouldn't be shocked to find out uh, that he wasn't supposed to be in a program with Mustafa Ali. And that Mustafa Ali did not want to do anything that felt race-related specifically. And there's a big part of me that feels like Veer is only being represented as a heel by race alone and not by virtue. Especially given that we know who he is. He is the million-dollar arm. He has such an amazing story, so much so that Disney made a movie about how inspiring this guy is. And here we have him in kind of a, a heavily Indian garb with the music and being a bad guy by virtue of attacking Rey Mysterio, but not because of anything he's really said otherwise. I don't love it. I'm willing to give it a shot and see where it goes and, and how it plays through and if I will begin to like it, because there's been things that I've changed my mind on for sure. Uh, but I'll say at face value, I did not like him coming out and attacking Rey Mysterio because I just don't like the idea of him being a bad guy when I know he's got such an inspiring good guy story in real life. Well, Ref Marsh, a lot of the promos they ran were sort of like inspirational on him talking about yes. like attacking the bad people and shit. Drewster yes. says in the chat, I mean, Veer was in yellow and black like The Miz. He says, I don't know, just saying. He thinks maybe he'll team up with The Miz. That, that could very well maybe. happen because... But uh, I, it made. No, but if you're trying to move the Mysterios along away from the Miz and that whole storyline, I don't know, man. It made no sense to me. Based I, again, if I heard the promos wrong, I'm an idiot. But it just felt like this guy was not going to be a heel. He was going to be a babyface when he came on the scene. I thought he would come in and save the day or some shit, which I know is played out. But that I mean. So, like, I get it, but, like, it didn't make any sense. I, I think we could spend a lot of time breaking this down. I don't want to. That's true. And I will say it's, it's played wrong. out, but it still works. Like, look at Zia Lee. She's getting over with the fans because she is the one who just comes out and saves people as a protector. It's played out, but works. You it I mean, looks like, good, too. I mean, yes. I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Ref Marsh, on this one 100%. We, we've, we've been simpatico on this one. I feel like you have this guy's backstory. Everybody knows who he is. A day, you can make him a heel later in his career, but like yes. get him in the business, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think it's too easy. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I hated the Naomi stuff with because I felt like it was race baiting and stuff. I just like why does what's her name hate? They never gave me a reason for the 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 gal. I'm sorry, her name escapes me. Sonia. Sonia Deville. Why did Sonia hate Naomi? That didn't make any sense to me. I, you know, if you're if you're just coming onto the scene, there was nothing there. And this, why does Veer want to beat the shit out of the Mysterios? Like, it just didn't make sense at all. Yeah. So, again. I go with what you were saying earlier, though, March, too. Right. Where it has to make sense, right? So that's why we have to give some time for these storylines to develop. Uh, the Raw after Mania, um, you know, the NXT after Mania, there's resets now. It's like yeah. the new year, the new calendar year. So let's see how things go through, which we'll touch on other storylines in a moment. The other thing, too, March, I want to tap on what you're saying. Veer was originally a part of the NXT tag team, um, you know, with um, uh, Rinku Singh and, um, yeah. um, you know, yeah, yeah, there you go. And, you know, with the whole situation of their tag team getting disbanded because of, you know, uh, what allegedly happened with, you know, spoiling main event and things like that, kind of derailed them as a tag team, so they had to be repackaged. Um, now Rinku is repackaged now as Senga, the bodyguard for Grayson Waller. So I think also you're right, Marsh, where Veer didn't have, didn't, wasn't veered the right way, you know, in terms of what they, what they had for him in terms of a singles run. So now they have that opportunity for him. 
they veered yeah. veered in the wrong way. Is what you're saying, Graham? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on board with it. I will say this about the Raw real quick, is before we move on to the next thing. I did feel like Raw this year because a lot of people were complaining about it in a lot of ways. They, I think, you see two different types of Raws after Mania. One of them, you see the start of a new year, no doubt. Uh, you see, like, the Brock returns, the big comebacks. You see the the big moments of, here's what we have coming up this year. Wait till you see it all. And then I feel like we got what you got last last Monday, uh, which was not so much the start of the new year, but really putting a bow on the last year. And it really felt like that they did a lot to be like, we're putting a button on it all. We're going to finish it all up. Here's sprinkling in a couple of things that are going to be coming in. A couple of little teasers, but nothing felt like a big boom here we go. It felt a lot of like wiping our hands clean of last year and getting things situated. I bet you next Monday is going to be a bit bigger than this Monday. Yeah, I went real quick. I mean, since you talked about Raw, I did yeah. I did wonder what you thought about um, just completely doing the Braun Breaker re- rematch from the NXT week, uh, WrestleMania weekend and having Dolph Ziggler lose the title to him. Me, and then I'll go to a Grammy after that. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely smart because um, you did have Dolph retain at Stand and Deliver. And, you know, tomorrow night we're going to talk about on episode one uh, NXT and, and AEW a little more in depth. And we'll go about how we felt Stand and Deliver was a little unwoven by NXT. They did kind of reset a bunch of stuff there, which was a little strange. Uh, but I did feel like if you think about it, you had Dolph Ziggler ret- retain at Stand and Deliver. Which I don't know their viewership on Peacock or anything like that, right? Uh, I watched but it. There's I watched it. The event ever ever watched, so. But I do think that a lot of people don't watch that uh, as much, right? Sure. It's the biggest RAW of the year. It had 2.1 million viewers on the first count, right? So yeah, yeah. You actually gave him a bigger stage to win it in in a realm where people are watching because it is the Raw after Mania. They see Dolph Ziggler with a title. They already know who Dolph Ziggler is and believe in him. And now you get a definitive win with Braun Breaker. And, oh, by the way, if you want to see what's next for him, it's tomorrow night on USA. Like, I thought it was an amazing commercial for NXT and Braun Breaker. And the other thing I thought about Braun, as we've seen every time him come out at the Hall of Fame, as we've seen him perform in a tag team, and this singles match uh, for a championship, he's not phased by this many people. Yeah, he yeah. is comfortable out there and confident, and I love that. Uh, How about Grimm, his entrance? Oh. How about his oh. entrance with the chainsaw? By the way, at, so at the event, that was fucking cool. Go ahead, Graham. Sorry. Um, and Braun Breaker is is the future. He's one of my picks to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40 when Reigns finally loses the Universal Title. We'll get on that bit later. I think the rocket is on for him. He has the NXT title maybe through this year, through the beginning of next year, and then. I could see him winning the Rumble, going on the Mania 40 and winning. So uh, I see him as a main event player. He even called it out this past week on NXT that he's going to main event WrestleMania one day. So he already stated his purpose that way. But yes, Braun Breaker, he's the real deal. Obviously, second generation star. So he's he's in it to win it. So we're happy with him thus far. Yeah. And I think that was a good move. I mean, you just put Dolph versus Braun Breaker in front of the biggest crowd that NXT or the Braun's ever seen. You know, like amazing, fantastic. Well, that um, match was awesome on NXT, the, the the event. Yes, I thought the the first match was better than the second match, but I understand what exactly what you're saying. They used the platform of Raw to put Braun Breaker over on a bigger platform. 
Yeah. And Hopefully that helps NXT, yeah. That makes yeah. total sense. I'm hoping it brings at least a few people who go like, well, I don't know about watching NXT every week, but I do want to check in with what Braun's doing, and maybe we see a lot, even an uptick on the YouTube replays. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's more than one metric, as we know. Um, Drew is saying in the chat before we move on to the next thing, he goes, I saw Via wrestle Tozawa live. He's a huge dude, and we know how well WWE does with Giants. He goes, all he did was slam and squash the match I saw. Tozawa's kind of a WWE's Kenny. Uh, and not Kenny Omega. I mean Kenny from South Park. Uh, he goes out there and just gets killed. Like, killed, killed. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I know you missed some of it, Beard, but during, like, the uh, pandemic Kenny. era... They would have Tozawa come out and do matches where he would take bumps that were so fucking brutal. Like, his matches with Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy both were so good because he would, like, UFC-style freeze and fall in such an awkward way with his limbs straight and his eyes just glazed. And you're like, holy shit. He's amazing. The power of Tozawa. Yes, Drucifer, we can all agree Dolph Ziggler is awesome. I am a big fan of him. I know Ref Marsh is. We had... uh, your buddy came on for a while, second day of, N- of WrestleMania, and uh, he's a big fan. I, I thought we talked about this on the live stream for WrestleMania, but I think Dolph, bringing Dolph Ziggler down to NXT to show those young kids how to take bumps so we don't have to suffer another fucking Charlotte ever was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Amazing. Uh, all right, awesome. so let's get back to it. Uh, I'm liking how we're doing this, though. I'm I'm happy to. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to roll back to what you were saying earlier about the Raw after Mania and the feelings oh. about the big moments. So you talk about Raw after Mania being a um, being a staple. You know, the two moments that hit me for Raw after Mania are Ziggler's cash in on Del Rio. Mm-hmm. That's just ingrained in my mind when I hear think of Raw after Mania. That's the first thing I think of. With that, um, and then also um, Paige winning the Divas title from AJ Lee. Those are mm-hmm. my two. The shock title wins. Those get me. Those get me yeah. locked up right away. And that was a time before the WWE started coining WrestleMania Raw, the mm-hmm. Raw after Mania, where Corey Graves every year has to say, "Oh, the crowd boos who they normally cheer and cheer who they normally boo." Like. It's like when you're. It's like when someone tries, you know, let's say your dad or your parent tries to be like, "Oh, hey, cool kids, what's going on?" Like, just they made it a thing before they made Raw After Mania a thing. There's a special on the WWE Network about Raw After Mania. Like before that was a thing, you get the surprises. Brock returned. The Rock came out and challenged Cena. The whole thing. It was like just a moment that was the worst kept secret behind the curtain. And then there was this stretch of five or six years where it was like, it's the Raw After Mania. Who's going to debut? Who's going to come up from NXT? Like, just, no, let it be cool. And then just, so that kind of lost its luster over the last couple years. But I agree with you in that yesterday, it was just put a bow on the end of it, but there was no shock returns or shock title changes besides the NXT title. Outside of that, though, there wasn't that wow moment. It was good, yeah. I think it's better that they don't do that over-the-top stuff so much. after Because it it, it it takes away from WrestleMania. And WrestleMania was so good. Why would you want to take away from that? You want people talking about WrestleMania. And I'm not saying that Raw was bad. Um, I'll say this, too, and I know we're going to talk about it. But I thought the thing for me, you said teaser, was the Ro- the whole Roman thing. I thought that was, well, I'll let you know what's going to happen, you know, since he runs the company, apparently. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. I think that uh, especially with a mania, recency bias may be uh, heavy, but I do feel like this, to me personally, this is going to go down as probably one of my top five favorite WrestleManias to watch. Uh, it was just one of the most fun manias I've seen in a long time. Definitely better than a number uh, since I've even been, even when I stopped watching and came back, I remember after the New Orleans one, feeling just so disappointed. Me, uh, I think it was 28? No, that's not right. New Orleans no, was 30. 30. No, no, not that New Orleans. The one after that. Um, oh, 31 the one with, uh, in uh, California? The one with Sting and, and Triple no, H? the one in New Orleans uh, with like where Nia Jax won against uh, uh, Alexa oh, Bliss. Wow, and 34. Because uh, I remember me and Kev were talking about going. Because for one, we love New Orleans. Uh, and we thought, WrestleMania, how cool would this be? And I remember we ended up not being able to afford it. And so we watched it together at his house. And I remember almost every match, we looked at each other like, fucking Christ. By the end of the show, we said, thank God we didn't go. Because we were so disappointed by the entire show, top to bottom. This one, everything was getting cooler and cooler by the second. It was insane. Uh this yeah. one got us talking about L.A. Start saving for L.A., right? Yes, exactly. Where after the New Orleans one, it was no longer like, hey, should we go next year? It was like, maybe we should wait and see where it's going next year to see if we want to. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, this was one of the ones where you regret not being there. Uh, and so I think it was just amazing. So, yeah, maybe after those type of WrestleManias, maybe you do slow down Raw so people can still simmer on WrestleMania. You know, maybe. Uh, after that, we did end up, uh, we're, let's get into it. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, one could argue the best match of the weekend. Like, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. What a fucking match. I think, too, just like Becky Lynch's ability to get her opponent over should yeah. be, is going to be in the annals of wrestling history on how to do this is how you yes. do it you know if you watch a how-to video on youtube they're just going to use becky Lynch doing what she does best you know yeah i feel like uh becky and bailey both you could study on how to make the opponent be important um and i do feel like that this one becky and bianca was an eight month storyline that had a four-year build because you needed the rise of the man you needed uh, the disappearing. You needed the return of the man in big time backs to create a platform so big that you could launch Bianca off of. Uh, I'm not saying that WWE knew four years ago that they were going to use Becky to get Bianca over, but they knew what they had and they knew the importance of it. Uh, Becky Lynch just talked about in an interview where she had uh, pitched and wanted Shayna Baszler to win against her at WrestleMania 36, 37, uh, no, 36. Uh, she wanted her to, to she wanted to lose to Shayna and and Vince wouldn't let it happen. Vince said it's not time. And people even afterwards were like, Oh, it should have been Shayna, it should have been Shayna, you could have made a star out of Shayna. As good as Shayna is, do you think Shayna winning there would put her on a bigger platform, a bigger pe bigger pedestal and a bigger trajectory tra trajectory um, than Bianca is now off of this win? Sometimes you have to wait and be patient and say, as much as this could be good for Shayna now, it's going to be bigger for someone later. Becky's rise was such that to make someone else a giant star, not to cripple a potential star, like we'll talk about in the next match. 
<laughs> or a couple matches. But, uh, Grim, what did you think about Bianca and Becky? They were in a fight. The, the, there were rough strikes. There was ugly, muscly move. Like, just Bianca muscling her up for KOD at the end. The struggling muscle. Not the perfect, all right, all right, all right. It was, ah, like, just like, at the end of the, all the way through the match, every strike, every hold, every move had a purpose. Yeah. Yes, we're out to fight each other. Bianca had to get over losing in 30 seconds at SummerSlam and getting suckered out of her title. And, you know, just all the emotion, her winning, just, just pretty much, you know, just the crescendo was their match. It was the end of their feud, you know, for, for that was going on for eight months. So just, I felt like, just the connection, um, you know, uh, just a couple of couple of call outs here. Um, you know, her, Bianca's entrance was solid with the Texas Southern University band doing her her beat. Nah, 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 nah. Okay, um, I I also like the the the, begin, the first thirty seconds of the match. Kick, manhandle, slam. Oh, it was going to be over. Yep. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, oh, she kicked out this time. Um, Bianca did a deadlift with while she had Becky in an arm bar. Just mm-hmm. like just lifting her up, just crazy strength. Uh, Bianca's four fifty from the second rope was legit. Incredible um, second rope four fifty, dude. Second yeah. rope. She's yeah. missing like two feet of air and still hit it. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Total total a- a- athlete athlete through and through. Um, and then just oh the manhandle slam on the stairs at the end because you know they they were ramping up the match as it was going like. What do I need to do to beat the other person? They were just ramping up uh, clearly. Um, and just again, when she hit her with, when Bianca hit uh, Becky with the KOD, one, two, three, she just lied there like dead for like a second. Like just totally, they've just taken in the moment, but I am exhausted. I gave everything for this match. I needed to. My eye got knocked out. I don't know what part of the match that happened, but I was only doing this with one eye apparently. So just left it all in the ring. It was a moonsault happened. or something, right? Or, yeah, uh, it was a, a... Becky was trying to do, I think, like a senton or something off of the top and came up just short and hit the heel of right her foot eye. right in the eye of Bianca. And you could see it swelling shut as it was going. And we, it, we, I even said during the match, I can't wait to yeah. see Bianca tomorrow night when she's bruising. And she it was like a badass. And it was brutal. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah, you called it... Ref Marsh saw it right away and... And they replayed it on the on the thing too. Uh, it was. I'll just say this. I think uh, I am always going to use this match as an example because when I I just I came back for reference for you. I have to do this for everybody that comes on the show. Grim Reaper is that I came back around SummerSlam for yes. the first time in like seventeen years, and I was not. I was like, I I you know I, I watched a few weeks before SummerSlam, and I really liked Bianca. And I liked her character. I'm like, oh, this this is cool. And I said, I, I don't I understand what they're doing. And Ref Marsh is like, relax. They're going to they're going to put her over bigger than ever. And so I'm going to use this eternally for when I am being impatient and not liking the story to be like, oh, remember that time Ref Marsh told me just to chill the fuck out and just enjoy the show uh, way back in the day? Because then I got what I got at WrestleMania. This match was everything that Charlotte and her weren't. The last time they matched, what a great match! I, I I would spend I could spend months talking about how good this match was. I don't want to waste any more time. 
It was so fucking awesome. I love the haircutting thing. I said the haircutting thing was the best thing I've seen since the Attitude Era stuff. That was so awesome. I loved it. Dude, I love, did you notice when Bianca is pressing Becky for that final KOD and getting her up? The crowd hit their feet. She hadn't done the move. It could have been reversed. She was just going up, and the crowd just stands up and pops just ah, because they knew it was about to happen. And if she lands this, it's over. And it was. And Becky, with that supercell at the end, that laying dead, that was a Scott Hall thing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a Scott Hall homage, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out it was. Because Scott Hall would say in interviews that he learned from Kurt Henning, if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me. He goes, I'll lay there till the, till the, the crew comes and sweeps me off the floor. You're not going to sort of beat me. He goes, I don't like it when people kick out right after or when uh, they immediately roll out. He goes, you lay there and you sell that. You are dead. Like, like that was a, a, a Scott Hall thing I found in a few of his interviews after he passed that I was re-listening to that if you're going to beat me, you're beating the hell out of me. Like, it was awesome, man. Um. I think we just lost Grim Reaper. He'll probably yeah, reconnect Grim's in a second. Shit to bed for him. He's got the boost mobile, as Coach JB would say. Boost mobile, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew in the chat saying something to you. Uh, Drew says, uh, "Beard Sports." I I was out of it for about ten years. Came back when Edge came back. Very yeah, cool. no, I mean, just, for me, man, I was in the military twenty five years. It just was too it was too hard to keep track of. I, I I'm into sports. Football and hockey a lot. Baseball I was a lot into. I'm not as much anymore. But, um, yeah, uh, Ref Marsh, I'm going to forever use this as an example when I don't like. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's going to end that way. But it just means, hey, sometimes it helps to have patience in this, in this, uh, you know, in this realm, too. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes it's definitely let it play out. And the amount of people who, after SummerSlam, said Bianca didn't deserve this. I was there, dude. I saw people get up and leave. People were really upset. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, too I get bad. it, too. too, it too I mean, I felt, I felt I, but again, I wasn't as emotionally invested in, in Bianca because I had just came back a few yeah. months before. But, like, I'm so glad that you kind of talked me off that ledge. And then I – shout out to Bishop. Got to give Bishop big-time credit. Bishop was the one that was like, hey, dude, you don't understand. This is what Becky is doing. And it's like, oh, I mean, you were too. I don't want to take mm-hmm. anything away uh, from your your guidance as far as a wrestling fan. But sometimes I feel like it, 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 it you know, it's just better to just wait and see. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Like, it feels like the, the four-year rise of Becky Lynch and then her little hiatus and then her coming back. Because she got a huge pop at SummerSlam when she came out. Yeah. Like, the fans were all about it, right? And then well, because... she had to turn that into, you're going to hate me, which is yep. even better. Like, that's even more brilliant. Dude, the idea yeah. that they were chanting, you deserve it, when she was getting her haircut, like, how fucking cool was that? Because it's like, okay, the crowd's like, yeah, you're a bitch. Like, it was awesome. And I think the crowd also responded that way when she came back, because we knew... We were all about to get some next level storytelling because that's just what Becky does. So wherever we go from here, and when they saw that, like, oh, people are going to have to try and boo her, and they're like, how's this going to work? Look, we all cheered her because we know what she's capable of. She just proved it once again, what she's capable of. Yeah, it was so great. Graham, any final thoughts before we move on? Um, in regards to just now, I just, hey, Becky, take a break. At this point, we're still on Becky and Bianca. Sorry, I cut out yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sorry. So, um, 
I think Becky deserves a break at this point. Let Bianca take the title, you know, have some a couple of good title defenses, start building her up as the champion again. Um, I just think that Becky just let Becky kind of fade away for a little bit um, and then have her come back in for her rematch, SummerSlam time, something like that. Just let's cool down a little bit, let Bianca direct different ways, and we'll take it from there. I, I don't know that. I don't know that I need to see Bianca and Becky wrestle again. Not for a bit. I think what you do is is you have Becky come back, and you have Bianca say, "Get to the back of the line, bitch," because that's what Becky said when she beat Bianca. Get to the back of the line. You have Becky have to try and weasel her way back into a match that Bianca just doesn't want to have because she doesn't respect her or whatever. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't she doesn't want to do that. Uh, and I think you have a, a crazy Becky who feels like she's going to be stronger than ever because every time she's had a major loss it's it's propelled the biggest parts of her career she lost at SummerSlam and became the man she lost at Royal Rumble and then won the Royal Rumble that same year you know what I mean she lost her title earlier in that night like you you have a Becky who can delusionally talk herself into that this loss is the best thing that's ever happened to her and she's better than ever and you have a Bianca who says uh what goes around comes around and I think you can have some a lot of fun as you keep them separate because of those two different trajectories that meet again somewhere down the line. Maybe it is as a SummerSlam. Maybe it is uh, uh, at a Survivor Series. Maybe it's a you know not not soon, but not not forever. You know, like they could get there. As a yeah. selfish wrestling fan, I want Becky to come back as a babyface on SmackDown, and so I don't have to see Charlotte ever again. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, so let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. We did have after that uh, Seth Rollins against mystery opponent. And how amazing that Seth Rollins for two months was carrying along a storyline against nobody. Not like not like how Kevin Owens was, was carrying a storyline one-sided. It was against Stone Cold. He was carrying around a, a Stone Cold storyline for a month or two. But just by himself, which is impressive enough. But to to get people salivating for a match against anybody in the world, like, that's fucking cool. He gets there. My favorite part about this is this was the most, for for better or for worse, this was the most AEW debut that they've had in a really long time. They had the lights go out. They had the pause. They had everyone waiting for a second. And then they had the debut hit. Also, while the match is happening, they released three Cody Rhodes t-shirts that look exactly like AEW designs. And I was like, this couldn't be more AEW, and I love it because I'm petty. <laughs> I have to say this. you I think this is going to be one of the matches that we remember from res- this WrestleMania as one of the greatest matches of that thing. Yeah, I I knew very little about Cody Rhodes because I didn't. I don't watch AEW. I don't have time, and no, I, I don't shit on AEW like Marsh does. But I I don't I don't I just don't have the time. I don't I don't care enough. But I became a Cody Rhodes fan instantaneously because of his promo, his interview afterwards. But the match, I mean, we knew a Seth Rollins match was going to be great anyway, right? I mean, yeah. was there any doubt it was going to be great? Ref Marsh with Grim Reaper, I'm sure you knew. He speculated that it was going to be the Gable Stevenson from 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 as the back to back heavyweight champion from Minnesota NCAA, and we did see some Gable, which was cool. I'm glad we got to see that. Um, and to and I was a fan of Dusty Rhodes and just loved the guy and think that he personified 
like the the you know being on the mic. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm forever a Cody Rhodes fan now because of this this whole thing. And it's not just the match; it's everything that goes along with it. I don't want to beat it ad nauseum. I will be buying one of those shirts if you want one, Ralph Marsh. You get one because I I loved it. Graham, what'd you think? It was really it, the the whole the, the whole Cody. Let's go with the whole Cody experience from Saturday and even on Monday if you want to tap in there too. Yes, yes. Saturday, yeah. you know. Just seeing the, you know, just like you said, Marsh, the AEW entrance. That's essentially what we got. Cody brought all the AEW luggage and brought it with him for the entrance, for the, there's another first family of wrestling. Like just the whole thing, the American Nightmare moniker and everything. The crowd lost it. They did 70,000 people just going nuts. I, I was, I was, I was, you know, I was excited as well. You know, a star. He came across through and through as a star, uh, both on Saturday and on Monday. Um, the you know essentially the uh, the holy shit chant coming out. Um, you know this the the standoff between him and Rollins to start the match, the, giving the crowd a moment to just appreciate what they're about to take in. I like that. Um, also during the entrance, there was no commentary until the ring announcer announced Cody. The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. They let the just let the crowd be the commentary. So just taking that WrestleMania moment in, um, you know, just oh, apologies. yeah, just no, it's okay. Just the entrance itself, like that's pretty much what I want to talk up to. Just up until that moment, him and Seth staring at each other, and you know, then we get into the match. Yeah, amazing. And I thought this was also one of those times where, um, as critical as a lot of people can be at times. I mean, because I know Kev does not enjoy Corey Graves much, but he even said Corey Graves in this match was perfect. He made all the right calls in this match right here and created a lot of great sound bites and made that moment feel even bigger and even more special. This was kind of like peak Corey Graves, if you will, uh, which I wanted to give that shout out to you because I know he gets a lot of hate. Uh, well, I fucking but, despise Corey Graves. Fuck Corey you, Graves. But he was what? awesome. Oh. He was awesome in this rep, Marsh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what's also cool? Uh, uh, I saw in an interview because Corey had been cleared to wrestle about a year ago. Yeah. He teased the idea that he's trying to pitch for Survivor Series because Brand goes head to head. He kind of wants to see if he can't make a McAfee versus Corey Graves match happen at a Survivor Series, which could be a lot of fun, which also explain why he's being the way he is. Uh, I'll just say this he wishes he could get a Pat McAfee. <laughs> For sure, not, dude. Pat no McAfee, doubt. The next match Pat McAfee gets is Triple Rage coming out of retirement. That's how big Pat McAfee is. Corey Graves is on, uh, you know, Pond Scum? And then, like, the the top of the Chugach Mountains here in Alaska? He uh, That's where Pat is, and Corey's down here with the Frogs. I'm just saying. Nothing, nothing against Corey Graves. Like, I, I'm sure he's a great guy. But uh, uh, he, he wishes he had the assistance. That's, I think it's jealousy. That's what I, I don't like it. It comes across like they're both from Pittsburgh. Corey's a Pittsburgh guy. Pat's a Pittsburgh guy. It just comes across to me that Corey's a little petty because he's been in the business forever. Pat's a freak, Corey. What you got to understand is nobody is Pat. Coach JB and I were talking about this. We're going to talk about when we knew Pat. Pat, Pat's a bit. which I know we're going to get you. 
Pat's event is, I mean, I I literally think he is going to the stratosphere. Whether and I think wrestling is going to be a part of that huge because Pat loves the business. You know, when Stone Cold went on Pat's show, he goes, "I didn't like you, Pat." Then I found out you were a huge fan of wrestling. You know, because that's Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Stone Cold's like the taker. He's all he ever wanted to do was wrestle. Like the Undertaker could have been a really good basketball player. Stone Cold was not going to be anything other than what he is. I know he played college football, but like we know the percentage of people making football. So I just like and again, I, nothing against Corey Graves. That you know, I agree though. He was excellent in this call. I don't want to go down the the road this because this match. I don't want to take away from this Cody Rhodes match. If you're not, if you're somebody like me, like a child lost in the woods, and you come in and you like. This is awesome. And he, and he honored his father, and then he re-honored his father on Raw. And it was cool. Because I think uh, originally, from what I understand, I didn't get to see it, he avoided those things. And I think mm-hmm. it hurt him initially in yeah. the WWE. Because I think there were a lot of people that were like, no, we love Dusty Rhodes. Like, you should, you are the American nightmare. Your dad was the American dream. Like, and he's, and you know, Dusty Rhodes had a little bit of a lisp. Uh, Cody has a, a worse one, almost. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It actually makes him more endearing. It's great. Yeah. I loved it. Right, well, that's I'm the whole sorry. point of the American Nightmare was that he he was avoiding the dusty stuff for so long that when yeah. he left WWE, he decided at a certain point to lean into it and he became the American Nightmare. And he's seen nothing but success by leaning into it because people respect both sides of it so much. Uh, but, dude, this was honestly, truly... One of the few times that the moniker is not misused by calling it a dream match. You did have two guys on such high levels from two different companies who could never seem to be in the same place at the same time uh, on the same level. Uh, it, it was a true dream match. It was – I can't believe this is going to happen right now. There was a really cool after the the match scrum, I think they call it, media scrum, yes. where Cody mentions that – Part of the reason that Seth was an important one for him to have was that Seth kind of like shot past him. He was already in WWE when Seth was in FCW. When Seth and and Dean and Roman and Becky and Sasha, when all of them were coming up to the main roster, Charlotte even, they were all referred to as Dusty's kids because they were all trained by Dusty. But here was Dusty's kid not being treated the same or referred to the same, and it made him jealous, and it put a chip on his shoulder, and... He was really upset. His last uh, uh, appearance in WWE, by no mistake, was Dallas uh, when he was in the opening ladder match and Seth Rollins cashed in the money in the bank. He walked away from there and said, fuck this. Like, <laughs> Right. Like there was so, some jealousy on that on his part too. I, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was cool. I, I felt like he spoke glowingly about uh, – Seth Rollins and that it yes. that it meant a lot to him. Like yes. I don't yeah. feel like there was any pettiness there. Uh, no. I actually felt like there was so much emotion behind that interview like you were talking about. It made the match even better for me. Yes. Yes. And because uh and that's what I mean, like because he's grown, he's matured in a lot of ways and he respects Seth in a whole different way, where at the time it was a lot of younger jealousies. <clears throat> Now he can look back and say, yeah, Seth was ready faster than I was. Seth was open to who he was going to be quicker than I was. And now he can get there and be like, but that doesn't mean I'm not there now. And I'm definitely there now. And I want that to be known. And it was awesome. Dude, this whole thing. I watched this match several times. It's the only match so far that I've gone back and rewatched a couple times. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
because I couldn't believe how much I was into it. Because we've been really critical of Cody. We we loved everything he did when he first got to AEW. My favorite AEW moment of all time is the Double or Nothing brother against brother match. The build to that, I still think nothing's topped that since since then. And as things were happening, I was going like, why is Cody doing this? Why is Cody doing that? Like, he's better than this. Why is this going on? And I think part of it is he didn't have an editor. He was just doing whatever he felt like at the time. And it wasn't always the right thing at the right time. And so I'm excited for him to be around a team of people who can help tune him up and help fine tune those things and not just be given the reins to do whatever he wants. Maybe a little bit of guidance, maybe a couple of bumpers isn't the worst thing. And I think so far, it's all hits, and we'll see. He can become just as tone-deaf down the line, and when he does, we'll say the same thing we said before. But until then, like, I love what he's doing here so far. I think it's incredible. A couple of, you know, trying to yeah. wrangle in. I mean, a lot of good conversation, a lot of good discussion, just talking about just Cody's impact prior to, you know, not just with AEW and when he worked on the indies, but in prior to that, I mean, in my mind... I always go like some once in a while I'll pull it up the battleground match between the Shield and Cody Rhodes and Goldust you know mm-hmm. uh, you know for the tag titles and everything Rollins did the deep Cody pin Rollins to win the titles then and that was just so emotional you had Dusty Rhodes doing the bionic elbow on Dean Ambrose and like I remember like that was the last great memory I have of Cody in WWE is that match. When do I remember a battleground match anyway? That even battleground was a pay-per-view. But that match there, um, and then getting back to the match with Wrestle- at WrestleMania, I mean, just, you know, uh, Sportsbeard, you said earlier the odes that he did. So he did the, the bionic elbow. He did the snap power slam like Goldust would do. He did the drop-down uppercut, one of my favorite, favorite moves ever. I just love it. He even um, did drop-down like a kick. He like the two yeah, versions. The drop, sick. Yeah. <laughs> the drop kick, the literally dropped and kicked. Um, yeah. And then the, um, the uh, obviously everyone's talking about this, the Stardust cartwheel and shedding Stardust. Like, I'm not him anymore. Um, uh, yeah, sports beer. If you ever have to go back and look at Stardust, it's just fun to look at. But it was really the beginning of the end of his first tenure with the company. Um, the Crossroads. His finisher done three times. I mean, and Rollins sells it like a champ. So they roll through the air and drop. Um, And then the, um, uh, what was it? Oh, that um, uh, just, just good crisp match. Two awesome workers just burning the house down. Really one of the best. The pedigree. pedigree, Yep. The pedigree, which is nice. You know, the whole triple H ground thing, which is funny. Um, I'm sure that will come into play somewhere down the line, but. Um, just for right now, though, just uh, and then tagging into Raw, the one thing I loved about the promo is why are you here? Yeah. It's not just because oh no, I'm back, I'm here. Like I'm I just want to win it. I'm here. I want a world it's, title. I want. A I'm, world I'm title. here to win the world title. I'm here to win it for my dad. I'm here to win it for the eight year old story was awesome. I never heard that story before. Um, that he said at least I haven't heard you know him say it like that before. Um, Really, really cool. I'm gonna win it for my dad. What's more, what's more good guy than winning it for your dad, especially your dad being you know Dusty Rhodes. So just the purpose of why you're here, the, the great act one, so to speak. When he gets to the, the to the title, you know, down the line, the next year or so, when he wins the championship, then it will be the catapult of where do you go from here? And Marsh, you saying earlier, he's gonna start hot. He might win the championship in a year. But then how does he develop his character from there? Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. And I do think that that's true. The, a lot of returns at Raws and stuff uh, uh, are just like, I'm back because I'm back now. Like Bobby Lash when he came back, I'm just back. Shelton Benjamin, just back. Uh, with this one, it was like, no, no, no. We will not accept you just being back. You need to tell us why you're here because this is a big moment in a lot of ways. And the way he talked about it was awesome. He talked about it in the scrums too, that it was just time. He said it was none of the things that the rumors were about, that there was never a money issue. There was never a a creative control issue, that everyone pays good in wrestling. He goes, although he's making ridiculous money now, uh, he said that it was flat out just time because everything was in its place now. And he even talked about how with AEW – being a successful place where some people can go and make good money, he was like, okay, the kids are taken care of now. That will stand there. That is that is a thing that's okay now. It doesn't need me, but I and need the, this. And by the kids, you mean Brian Danielson and, and and the Hardy Brothers and those kids. Yeah, the ones making the most money are the ones who are the, yeah, the kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. And CM Punk, oh, those guys CM are Punk. kids. Right? Yeah, sorry, those are the kids sorry. that he's looking That's out for. That's my jab to AEW today. <laughs> um, uh, dude, I get emotional thinking about this. I, I, I thought I thought his post interview was very much like his promo from from Raw. I, I am I am so invested in this. I cannot miss Raw. Like yeah. I can't wait for Roman to relinquish the WWE title because I don't need Cody and Roman. I don't think. I want to see. Fuck, it could be. Yeah, Drucifer says the kid sting. Yeah, sting the kid. Yeah, sting, sting fresh face, fresh face sting. <laughs> Who, by the way, is a goat? I love Sting. Like one of the most underrated performers of all time. I'm a big Jail Bar fan. I love the Crow. I know Sting took a lot of stuff from the Crow. Uh, I know he didn't get a lot of WWE moments, but regardless, I digress. I want to talk about Cody because. Here's what I love. Here's going to be my... I will remember this as a fan forever because Ref Marsh fucking hated the idea of Cody Rhodes coming on and facing Seth Rollins because it was brought up a lot in the chat. It was very much the worst kept secret that ever... And he he was like, I think it's going to be this or I think it's going to be that. And I loved his... I liked his out. I always appreciate someone that thinks outside the box. But I'm not saying that it, it was in spite of Ref Marsh... What I love more than anything is hit is is Ref Marsh's reaction to this. He fucking loved it, and I loved it. But I loved it even more that he loved it. So when I saw that he and he's like, "No, I have actually always been a Cody Rhodes fan." Like, really? Because you've never said one nice thing to him about me. To me, I've been on the show <laughs> never heard him fucking say anything good about Cody Rhodes. But he was like, I think it was like a crescendo moment for him as a wrestling fan going. Finally, I get to see what I want to see from Cody Rhodes, and it means so much to me. And the fact that it meant so much to him, and I think so very highly of him as a person, even if I shit on him as much as I can on the show, uh, I I was so like it already was a great moment for me. I loved it, but like you sometimes want to be like, am I the only guy that feels this way? And then I see him, and I'm like, holy shit, he loves this. He is so happy. He's getting to see what he wanted to see 10 years ago. And then the fucking straight honesty from Cody Rhodes. We wouldn't have seen this 20, 20 years ago where blah, 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 if I did this or that. So, I I mean, dude, again, like we had this. I think this WrestleMania will go down as one of the greatest of all time. I saw somebody in the Bleacher Report chat, which, by the way, that's owned by Turner and they, they, they have AEW. Some guy goes, 
this was the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I don't give a fuck what you fucking people say. You know, and I was like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people felt that way. And and I was like, dude, I'm not going to argue with you. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Like, it was, uh, like, I didn't even chime in. Like, sometimes it's just like, let that dude have his moment. And it was so fucking amazing. And again, uh, I loved everything about it. I felt really passionate about everything. Monday, his, his post-interview... With, was it with Kayla? I don't even know who it was with. It was so good. And I felt like the promo on Monday was 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 very much that. <laughs> I think they were like, dude, you're wasting this on a post fight. You know, like, we need this for Raw. But I will always be Ref Marsh being like, oh, my God. You know, like, I could tell how much he loved it. And he's like, no, I'm always like Cody Rhodes. And he had the shirt, of course. He did wardrobe changes. And I was like, oh, man, I, it'll, it just, it'll live with me forever. You know, I'll be on my deathbed and I'll be like, Ref Marsh and that Cody Rhodes moment was pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, I think that I, I, I couldn't put my finger on what it was that made it all that special. Like, but it just was in it. And I think that you, you put your thumb right on it. It was that this is the Cody we've been wanting. That with all the stuff that we would complain about him doing in AEW, it was always his aversion to doing this thing exactly for these reasons it was always a weird reason and always a weird motive and there was always something off about it and then this was kind of like no 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 this is exactly how we've wanted it and on a stage that we've wanted it on doesn't hurt any obviously like it was it was uh in all intents it was the perfect segment and i think grim you'll appreciate this his entrance started at the two hour mark of a four hour show the reason it was so good is because it was the mid card, baby. No one's a better mid carder than Cody. I, I saw you say this. <laughs> but it could have been the main event, and I don't think anybody would have said, man. I agree. Same with Bianca and Becky. Main event, nobody would have said. I, I saw Stephanie, our, your, our mutual friend. I, would, I, I saw her say that, you know, Bianca and Becky should be the main event. I, 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 I couldn't argue that. Yeah. No, no, but I was making a joke more for Grim. Go ahead, Grim. Oh, I know. Oh, I know, Marsh. And way to keep up kayfabe. I know Sports Bear says, oh, behind the curtain, Marsh was happy. No, I know. You got to keep it alive. Keep it alive. It's fine. No, I'm, no, no, no. No, I'm no, 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 no. Sports Bear, no, wait, wait. I'm going to leave it in because you know who I really think that Marsh likes a lot and he's just not letting it on? Let's talk about Charlotte versus Rhonda. Go ahead, kick it off, Marsh. What'd you love about the match? <laughs> kick it off. <laughs> you know what's wild about Charlotte and Ronda? Is there was no reason to bring back Ronda to ruin her. And I know people will say, like, oh, Ronda's going to be like a Brock Lesnar. Brock will always be Brock. Brock doesn't need a title. He'll always be a threat. Brock has a lot of equity in wins and dominance that Ronda just didn't have. She had a one-year run, lost it, came back and won a rumble from like the 29 or 30 position and then had like two tag matches and then lost here. Like this actually burns a shitload of equity for Ronda. And I don't understand for what purpose, like this was one of the more throwaway outcomes you could have done. I just don't agree. I agree 100%. And I feel like outside of boobs blowing his knee out, this was the single most disappointing thing I saw at WrestleMania. Yeah, and it's not because I I, I look and and, and um, 
Grim Reaper. I will, I've watched MMA since Hoist Gracie and, and, and UFC one. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big UFC fan. Uh, um, I don't mind shipping some money to uncle Dana, even though he doesn't need the fucking money. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say this. Uh, I was not a Ronda Rousey fan as an MMA fan. I thought she was a heel in MMA. But you make a shit ton of money doing that. Chill Sonnen, Conor McGregor. A lot of these guys, are the, the fucking dude that's a Trump fan, I can't think of his name. I don't even want to give him any play. Kobe Covington. Anyway, uh, I'll just say this. Um, I'm a huge Ronda Rousey fan as a human being. And I've become that because I've gotten to know about her. Her father committed suicide. Those, those sort of things kind of resonate with me as a veteran with PTSD, depression, all these things, you know, to, to break away from the wrestling stuff for a second. Um, I, I, I was a huge fan of her. Um, I didn't, I I didn't hate Charlotte when I first came on my big, uh, uh, I, I learned to hate her on my very own without influence from ref Marsh and, and, and Kev and, and Bishop and Justin time. She's, she's good in the ring when she wants to be, she cannot let her opponent get over. And that's my biggest problem with her. If she could be, a gracious victor or defeatist, I think I would I would worship the ground she walks on. Who doesn't love Ric Flair? Okay. He's a legend in the wrestling business. She already has that cachet with the fans, so she can tap into the woo or whatever. But she just, like the Becky Lynch thing, I'll never forget, that whole match felt like a shoot. You know, like a shoot. Like two people beating the shit out of each other, and Becky beat Charlotte, but, like, it was so begrudging. Like, you know, Ref Marsh said, like, um, after uh, Becky got beat by Bianca, she laid there. Charlotte got up like the fucking Terminator. She acts like two milliseconds after the three count, like, yeah, I'm up. You know, it's like, like, do you, do you understand that you, like, I understand it's not real. It's not real. Whatever. You make it look not real. By not ever selling anything. She doesn't sell a slap. She doesn't sell a punch. She doesn't sell anybody's moves. You know, Ronda could fucking destroy her in real life. She's an Olympic judo specialist. She could flip her and fucking armbar her and take her fucking arm like she threatened to do. And I was hoping she did it. Because I I feel like the WWE does not know what to do with her. I'm talking about Charlotte, not Ronda. I think that she is such a problem child that they probably just let her have that victory. And that might be why I, I don't want to spend any more time talking about it because I feel like this show, we try to accentuate the positive. And if we talk about Charlotte, we can't talk about anything positive. I don't have any problem with what Rhonda did. I think she looks sharp. Um, I don't know where they go. I don't know, I don't know what go. you do with I mean, it. SummerSlam, I guess. I don't know what you do with Ronda that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think that honestly, uh, this was the one that was going to be like a wild card to me where I thought like, okay, if they were going to have Ronda win, then you got to have Becky win because then you can get Ronda, Becky to unify the titles if they're trying to go that route. Um, Or if when, you know, if Becky loses and Ronda wins, you can have Becky go after Ronda because, hey, you've got something I want uh, and I know I can beat you. With Charlotte winning this match, you really just put a turd on the SmackDown title where... There's no there's no direction to go with that matters, and you've also undervalued Ronda, where there's no match she has that will feel important. You can't put Becky Ronda with no title on the line on the undercard for no reason, and not after they both just lost. You know what I mean? Like you've got two losers gonna hash it out. No one's gonna give a shit. Like 
it really felt like the most non-progressive decision of the night where, oh, now there's two stories that don't matter where they go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of having yeah. one or two outcomes. Because even Charlotte without a title, she's always going to chase the title. You can always use her to do that. With a title, there's no point. What do you think, Grim? And uh, first things for uh, you know, sports beard, I appreciate your honesty straight up. That's why I chuckle a little bit because I'm just you – know, the passion you have just in terms of like you know making sure the fight – the fight needs to be real. Becky yeah. and, Becky and, um, and um, uh, Charlotte – a few months ago, that was a real fight. And even the yeah. interviews leading up, I don't like her. I don't like her. It was just very real, very, very visceral. A lot of just, just, you know, all right, and they're going to fight. They're going to elbow. They're going to punch. They're going to strike. They're going to just do everything they can to, to win. And you need to tell that story. And you talk about it's not real, it's not real. Well, it is in terms of story. You have to give the story of the match and the moves and the, you know, pretty much where you get to the end, the crescendo, the finish, right? You have to, when they say sell the finish, it's sell the end, the end of that, that chapter of the story. So you need to always respect that. So I'm with you hundred percent on that. Um, in regards to the, the Charlotte Ronda match, you know, Ronda, her strikes are always good, are tight, are always good. Excellent striker. I like the, 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 the takedowns, the judo throws, the, you know, it's, it's the style, right? It's not collar and elbow tie-up, headlock, suplex, yeah, back, yeah. you know, back, the, it's, it's, you know, sleep, you know, chin lock on the, you know, on the it's floor. It's very much so, you know. influence. It's very much, which I know Vince shied away from. And I'm, look, I'm not shitting on that. I'm just saying like Charlotte, I, she actually didn't do a terrible job selling against Ronda, but like, it feels like, you know, Every other time, she doesn't sell at all. And okay. that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, Charlotte, you know, because, yeah, she does Hulk up. I'll use the phrase Hulk up once in a while where she takes the chop or she'll take the punch and she'll punch right back or she'll flurry right back or something. She does do that here because that's built in her character. She's the queen. She's she sometimes she will brush move. off. She doesn't move. She doesn't even respond to the slap. That's my problem. I'm not saying... I'm not saying she can, like, dude, you don't have to make it look like Mr. Perfect sell job. Just sell it a little bit. Yes, we know you're this or that, but she doesn't even try. She doesn't try. Like, it, it, look, I, I, I feel like I'm a, a five-year-old kid when it comes to being a wrestling fan as far as my knowledge and skill base and, and, and what to look for and what the moves are as far as what I know. And, like, Marsh is, like, up there, and Kev, and all these guys, they know. Justin Time and, and Bishop and all the guys we have on the show are IWC community that's been a part of wrestling on the rocks. You, yourself, too. I'm just saying, like, I don't even see an attempt. It's like, if I slap you across the face, if I fucking slap you, like, John Stossel got slapped by that wrestler, he fucking reacted because it was real. She doesn't react. She's like, oh, you did nothing to me. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first Terminator. Okay, we get it. But, like, you have – you're in a championship match against an Olympian who could kill you in the ring in real life. And that's okay. the thing, right? And Charlotte won't allow and, – and the thing is, Charlotte has to go with Ronda's judo throws, right? Otherwise, she will get her arm ripped off because it's a part of the, the moves there. So, Ronda is essentially kind of putting Charlotte in that box. So, no, 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 you have to – Go with it. You have to sell. Otherwise, you are going to get hurt. You are something is going to happen. Like for example, 
Um, a lot of like I saw some videos going coming up to the uh, the to the event to the match where you had Ronda and Shayna Baszler training how to counter the figure four and how to reverse out of the figure eight, grab the heel and things like that. So that's what Ronda did in the match. She was reversing the figure four and the figure eight a lot. There were a lot of counters and reversals that Ronda was doing. Um, I have, I also like that, you know, we're talking about not using the finisher all the time in a match. She won with the boot. Mm-hmm. She won the match. with It wasn't a tap out of Ronda with the figure eight. It was a boot. Which Charlotte has used as a as a secondary finish here or there, like the deep six, um, like the, the Corbin would do. So that was a nice change up of the situation there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the judo throw off the second rope was pretty legit too. Like that was, but that was all Ronda. That was Charlotte working with the move there. Um, you know the uh, the shot. Uh, we can all talk another ten minutes about how Charlotte's moonsault is. It's always a work in progress. I don't know why she does it. She's athletic. I'm with you. But just the Charlotte Moonsault, we can go another 10 minutes on. But um, just overall, the match was a solid match. Um, but in regards to also Marsh kicking back to what you kicked off with, the build. When Ronda won the Raw title from, uh, from uh, Alexa Bliss, finally, when she won, I think it was after Money in the Bank. It was yeah. the pay-per-view after that. She finally won the championship. It was the build-off of WrestleMania 34. I think the only yep. bright spot of 34 that we're talking about earlier was Ronda and Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie. There was build yep. to that match. It, yep. it was Ronda's debut. And then the fire was off of that match for her to win the championship. Whereas yep. this year, she wins the Royal Rumble in a situation where she came in late, 29, I think it was. Or I, that's how I won the shirt. She was number 29 in the, in the Rumble yep. and won. Um, you know, and just there was no fanfare. There was no build. There was no, oh, my gosh, we can't wait to see Ronda win. Or just like uh, Bianca. Bianca, the buildup was since SummerSlam all the way through to where Becky won the championship, to where she beat Becky for the championship. There was an eight-month build. For Ronda, I just feel like there wasn't that groundswell as there was during her first title reign a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, and even Drew says it here because me and Kev were talking about it today. He says, Charlotte is and can be better than what I've seen of her in the past year. We've been saying it all year that everything she's doing seems to be worse than the last thing. She's working in reverse of almost everyone else on the roster right now where it feels like she's either just doesn't care as much, she's throwing a fit or something. It feels like personal something is getting in the way of her being who we all know she can be because we've seen it in the past. We've all seen her do really well for so long that we want to say she's one of the greatest – but the last year has been such a dark spot on her legacy in that we're watching it get worse. And it looks like it, the only reason is her because she's not so much older or so much less fit or anything like that. It has to be an attitude thing. Like, because it doesn't feel like it's ability at all. He says a lot of, yes. flair, he says a lot of flares problems or boyfriends influence. I don't know that. I don't want to speculate on any of that stuff. And I feel like people's personal life are their personal life. We're talking about the sports entertainment. What I'm seeing on TV with her, okay, I hate. It's horrible. I have not seen Charlotte Flair, one good match from Charlotte Flair. Now, I'm not saying, I don't want to poo-poo too much of this WrestleMania one, because, again, we call it the bathroom break for Charlotte. My wife is now watching a lot of wrestling now because of me and I'm doing the show. She has no basis at all. She doesn't have any of the history and she fucking hates her. 
Like, so she's projecting. I think the people that don't aren't in the know are even better examples of what are you actually projecting on screen? So my wife, who, who doesn't have any wrestling background, doesn't know anything about anything. Like, I watch Hulk and Andre and blah, blah, blah when I was a kid. Like, I always loved wrestling. You know, I always loved it. Andre, uh, uh, the Ultimate Warrior and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and all that stuff. So my wife has none of that. She didn't give a shit about it. Yes, she has a cousin who's in indie wrestling. I'm sorry, an uncle who's very close to her in age. But she has an uncle in Canada who does some indie wrestling and stuff. But um, I'll just say, I just think that uh, I have not once seen her sell anything. It feels like she is an absolute... She is the John Ritter movie problem child in the ring. It feels like she's a problem child. They don't know what to do with her. Again, I feel like we gave her way more time than we needed to ever. I, I would have spent zero time on this match because I think everybody under the sun thought Ronda was going to win. I think it was reported because they, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like let her go to AEW or whatever. I just feel like she might be, it might benefit her for a change of scene because I feel like mm-hmm. she's maybe she has a problem with Becky Lynch and I know they were friends at one point. But I, it just feels like every personal beef that she has exudes in her in-ring performance. And I think the best ones put that shit aside and make it work. She needs The Undertaker to be like, look. Because I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not rooting against her, but I don't want to watch what she's putting out. Yeah. Because of what I've seen, I'm like, mm, no, Sorry. Yeah, it's unfortunate I, too, man. Because I, I think, and Ref Marshall tell you, and I, I know Grim, you and you, you tune in when you can. But I love. I think the women's wrestling right now is way better than the men's for, on the story and everything. But Becky Lynch and Bianca, you know, all that stuff is a reason. Look, you know, Becky Lynch. Uh, Ref Marsh talked about it. Uh, Bianca like struggling to Becky Lynch. Uh, Bianca like. Uh, did the KOD on on uh, Piper Niven? I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah on Dewdrop, you know, and that's the person she's going to struggle carrying. But she did it with Becky Lynch, who like I could carry for five miles on my shoulder. She's probably a buck twenty. But after a twenty minute match, though, that's why Bianca was struggling because just she left it all out. But that was the last. It, right? That but was the last bullet in the chamber for for Bianca to. To Becky, right? Exactly. At she the can end. lift her with one arm. She in, in twenty minutes of the match, she can lift her with one arm. In reality, she's that good an athlete. We all know this. She sold it. She right. sold it to us, and we loved it, and it made the match better. Come on, Charlotte. You watch what you're seeing. We. I don't want her to be bad. Smack, I, Pat McAfee is my boy. He's the reason I'm back. Excellent segue, Sportsbeard. Yeah. You know, going into the the end of the night here, uh, for night, well, excuse me, WrestleMania Saturday, not night one or night two. It's WrestleMania Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday. We want to make sure we get the, uh, the the wording down, right? Sure, sure. I want to, like, just talking about Stone Cold and Kevin Owens and Stone Cold and Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon and, like, Let's, I don't know, Sportsman, if you want to start off with just talking about Austin's influence on both nights and maybe we just see you know, how it worked with Pat and everything. Did you watch 
our any of our live stream? No. Okay, so I wanted a fresh perspective. So. Ref Marsh, do you do? You, okay, I don't know that I can speak about this objectively. I got I started to ball. Did I not, Ref Marsh? Yeah. I was like oh, a yeah. three-year-old baby. I I I Stone Cold is probably the most important wrestler to me of all time. As I as I have this stuff here, uh, I'll do the pat. But with the Stone Cold belt, Pat, this is a real fucking belt right here, Pat. Uh, I didn't even know how important he was to me. But I he was super important as a human, as a person that struggled with mental health and didn't know back when I was 19 years old here in Alaska, didn't have any friends. I watched Monday Night Raw. The boss is a big prick. By the way, I, I, had, a, I had a boss in the army that made Vince McMahon look like Jesus Christ. Okay. So, uh, I, I identified with the character of stone cold. He, he could never be a heel to me, uh, because, uh, and I felt like his final match with the rock w- was not, I mean, I look, the rock is, is the rock, you know, he, he is, he comes from the biz. But I still feel like Stone Cold is the most important sports entertainer of all time. And uh, he, he may not be the best in the ring or whatever. But I think if he had to have the injuries, you know, he would have probably still gone as long as The Undertaker in some regard. But, um, like, remember when they tried to make him a heel and people were like, nope. Like, they just won't accept it, right? Nope, nope, you just can't. And I... Dude, I like I I blah I was I was a fucking a Miss Amanda Jane who's who's uh, not a WWE fan by the way she's like a she's an indie fan and she's on Ref Marsh's episode one that airs on uh, the Wrestling on the Rocks that airs on Thursday please tune in if you are a fan of the indie or AEW or NXT um I I I've never met her before that time she comes on the live stream and I am a like a three-year-old kid just like lost their favorite toy or realized this was the most important thing. I'm, I'm balling. Like a good thing. I had a beard. My shirt would have been soaked. Uh, I, it was, it was, it was, uh, that's why I can't argue with it. I think stone cold Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens will always hold a special place in my heart because he gave stone cold the send off. He fucking deserved. He got it in Dallas which is not where he's from, but it's basically where he's from. He's from Texas, but it's close enough. He's like closer to Houston area, but he gave him the send off. And by the way, sell job, Kevin Owens is like knocked out and two state troopers drag him and he could barely walk. Like how great is that? Like he could barely walk from the stutter that stone cold delivered. It was incredible. I feel like I'm taking over the show and I will take over the show when it comes to stone cold. So I don't want to do that. But it's like, it was, hey, if you get a chance, like Grim Reaper, go back and watch the few minutes of that, my reaction, and I, I fucking lose it, man. Like, I, I'm bawling because I, it was so, it was, a, it, it will be to me, to me, it will be the best moment as a wrestling fan I've ever had. Uh, Austin's so great, but just, yeah. It was just, you know, he, he is the great, he is, again, Vince McMahon dubbed him the greatest sports entertainer of all time. 
it's it, the monitor it follows because it comes down to there are it, there are generations of fans that love Stone Cold. I am one of those fans. Yeah. Children are fans because Austin is revered as as just this 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 you know a Mount Rushmore type of superstar, and to tap into that energy, to tap into you know, there's not just Hall of Fame credentials and just just the power that Stone Cold has, the electricity and all that. Just he deserves to show up at WrestleMania and deserves to have a main event spot with Kevin Owens. That was the right call. Not only are you in Texas, but just it's Stone Cold. And you win. Hear that and win. Glass. Right. And exactly. Win. It's you hear the glass shatter. JR's line. Business is about to pick up. The, the, the walk, the, the walk, tough walk down to the ring. As much as Vince McMahon saunters down, Austin walks down that ramp with a purpose. ATV with a purpose. Every single time, hell is about to be raised. Every time he enters that ring. So beer's going to be, their drinks are going to be flowing. Stunners are going to be happening. And someone's about to get their ass kicked. So him and Owens having that match, we'll get to the match in a second, but just... The energy surrounding that segment, you bought in. You were glued to the TV. I had people putting their phones down, putting my phone down, BRB, you know, just to watch the, the, the magic unfold. It was so important to me, Grim Reaper, that if I could get El Segundo up here, I would have had that the whole show for this show. That's how significant it was. I can't because I'll, you know, it's just not available here yet. I... I no, I mean I agree. I, I don't even know. Like, I think less is more. If I if if I say less about this, it's more because uh, I didn't even know how important he was to me. And I've all I've never not loved him. I've got four or five of his shirts. I should have wore the Broken Skull IPA shirt. I just couldn't find it before I did the thing because it's somewhere in my house. Uh, but. Uh, he is Stone Cold Steve Austin is and always will be in my heart just the most important wrestler of all time. And it, I, it, I don't, I'm not sliding The Undertaker or any of those other guys. Those guys weren't important to him like they were to me. In my personal experience. I had a, you know, I, I already went through this. So I just I don't want to. I don't want to go down this road again, and and publicly become a fucking blubbering mess. Even though I'm really good at it. Uh, if I, I'll tell you right now. Like I lost, I lost my father when I was 18 years old. My real, my biological dad. I feel more love and and connection to Stone Cold Steve Austin than I do my dad. Like straight up, he was not in my life at all. My grandfather was, and just other people. So, my uncle, my uncle Tim, and 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 for me, Steve Austin's right there. Like he he just was he I I and I, again I didn't realize the importance. It's uh, you know it. I don't I don't know if I can do it justice, man. I don't know if I can do it justice, Grim Reaper. Like I I I love him. Like, if I ever meet him in person, I probably will be like, I'll, I'll, I, I won't know what to say. 
I'll try to be articulate and say, like, I feel like I can talk in front. I've talked in front of generals and colonels and blah, 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 and governors and, and senators and shit like that in my military career. But I'll just say this. Like, I, I feel like I, I, I will tell him what he means to me, but I, I will feel weird about it unless he gives me the time. Like, I would I would pay money to go hang out with him on his, whatever the fuck he drives around in Nevada. Just a relatable person. Just, you know, it's especially on the Broken Skull session. You know, the Broken Skull sessions, getting his his take, his personality and everything, just, you know, being yeah. real with the people he's interviewing and everything. So And I I've watched just... every one of those and I'm with you. Like that makes it even worse. I like him even more. Like he never has done anything and I know he said, look, the guy's not perfect. He's got some stuff. All right, all right sports beard. Marsh has let the the leash out loose on us. For the last 10, 15 minutes, Marsh, what do you got, man? Uh, I think it was pretty cool for Kevin Owens. Uh, I do think uh, – let me see. In the chat real quick, Drew says, I had a feeling Austin was going to do a quick in-ring match, but when he took the concert bumps, I popped pretty hard. And he said, uh, <laughs> JR and King on the mics are the only one that would have made it any better. Uh, that could have been really fun. If, yeah, yeah to, to make that moment a little bit uh, uh, more nostalgic, I would say. Maybe, I don't know about better necessarily, but definitely more nostalgic. Oh, God, a concrete yeah. floor. I'm I'm concrete. Nobody does. Nobody sold Stone Cold like JR, but yeah. yeah. No, I'm because uh, Stone Cold was always and still remains to be JR's favorite wrestler of all time. So you could hear it in everything he did with Stone Cold. And every time he celebrated Stone Cold, he was celebrating because that was his favorite. The same way Michael Cole was selling Pat McAfee was how I felt about JR and Stone Cold. Like, Michael Cole was was Pat McAfee's JR, and it was incredible. Um, but, yeah, the to, – to, Kevin Owens is the same age as me. He's and knowing, dude. I will knowing, love him forever. Knowing that, that he grew up the same way we did, he wore the same T-shirts we did and got to meet uh, Stone Cold and get advice from him early on in his career, the idea that – He's going to be able to to hang his hat on having the last match of Stone Cold's career is amazing. I don't always subscribe, and I often don't subscribe to the idea that someone coming back or their last match they have to win by any means. Because I think that the tradition of the territory days are, uh, uh, you know, that you try to make the next the next stars. You got to make the next person real big. I don't feel like a, a a loss to Stone Cold here hurt Kevin Owens one single bit, and I think it it launched him into a higher set. And I do think that this is one of those nice uh, let him run off into the sunset as a champion moments, especially because he did uh, take the losses on the way out the last time. This was more of a celebration and less of a on paper match. I even enjoyed Kevin Owens' promo where he goes should be stricken from the record. Like in a sense, it kind of is stricken from the record. It, no one sees it as part of your win loss yeah. record. They see it as a specialty moment in time. And I think that that's, that's also amazing. Uh, yeah, I think that, and I also loved the way that they, that they were booking this match and promoting it as not a match. It's a KO show because it allowed the pageantry to be such, right? If it was a match and they said, we're going to have a one-on-one match, then, then KO goes to the ring and stands there, and then Stone Cold comes out, and then they rush each other, and it goes into it. This allowed yeah. them time to soak in the crowd, get the crowd even more anxious, uh, build up that show. Both can still talk and get you even more excited about it. That by the time the match kicked off, you couldn't have wanted it more, and you couldn't have been more. And every single movement in the match meant more because you weren't quite expecting to get all that. 
and it was a proper match, and it was amazing. Jerry Lawler posted a picture with Stone Cold and said that Steve told him he kept thinking about Lawler, just saying, damn, I can understand why King still does this. It's still so much fun. And you can see that in every moment of Stone Cold. He can't stop smiling. Uh, yeah, the Vince stunner, which was the worst stunner ever. He fucking sla- – look, I mean, again, like, I could talk – you want a five-hour show? Like, I mean, I will talk about Stone Cold forever. Uh, if it was, uh, I am so with you. I, 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 in my ears heard Jim Roscoe, it's so cold, it's so cold. You know, it was so good, man. And I, I love Kevin Owens. I love Kevin Owens for what he did. I love that fucking Montreal fucking French speaking fuck communist motherfucker. He put Stone Cold over better than anybody ever fucking did. And, and, and I, I understand, Ref Marsh, I understand the history of the territories and putting guys over. Um, and The Rock, you know, I never had a problem with Stone Cold losing to The Rock. I love The Rock, no. too. I'm fucking drinking his tequila. But I, I have to say this, like, I felt that was, but what Vince said and what Undertaker said, and like, it's, he deserved the that send-off. He, is there a bigger superstar? Maybe. Maybe The Rock. Maybe the Rock, and 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 you know my opinion. I want him to run for president. I would vote for the Rock. Uh, I felt like it was apropos for what Stone Cold Steve Austin deserved, and we would have never got that moment if it wasn't for Kevin Owens and his brilliance in the ring. And I will be forever a Kevin Owens fan, even more so because of how he put Stone Cold over. And how can you put one of the greatest superstars over? And he did it. Yeah. Like you said, he did it. Kevin Owens was player. bumping around like a basketball. It was incredible. Yeah, Owens was uh, Owens was exactly Marsh, just in the moment. You know, you, you were talking about Sportsman earlier about selling and making sure you're in the moment and doing what you need to do. I love when Austin first got into the ring and started doing his four corners. Yeah. Owens was yawning in the yeah. <laughs> Like, are we going to yeah. get this going on? Um, and then the other part, too, that I, I really appreciate just – what a slow play by Owens. He's been using the stunner for almost a year, yeah. if not more. So you want to talk about, you know, you kind of get into kind of, you know, the 20 hindsight, 2020, but just planting that first seed of, oh, I'm going to start using the stunner. I'm going to start using the stunner. And then it grew into this, into this match over a year of using that finisher, you know, uh, just, just, I find, I find the connections through wrestling is, is always a fun thing. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. he had the pop-up powerbomb before and he was a bad guy for so long that he wanted to get over as a baby face. And the only thing he could think that would definitely do it, he goes, well, if I started using the stunner, it's such an over move. People will cheer me and it works. Didn't he get permission to do it too? From mm-hmm. what I understand, this happened yeah. before I came back, but yeah, I never, and Ref Marsh can tell you, I did not hate him before. Like, and he was a baby face when I came back. Yeah. So uh, I think that helped, but he did such an amazing job as a heel. And once you put all that shit aside and you realize the the crescendo, the ultimate moment that we have, and I feel for me as a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, his greatest moment in WrestleMania history happened right there. Sure, right sure. there. Go ahead, Reaper. Are we – help me out. It, is what allowed again – 
is the what chant allowed again? Like, is it just because it was WrestleMania crowd and that's all we have to worry about and it will taper off from there? What is not back, right? I don't want it back. I don't like it. But I enjoyed the way that Brock and Roman and KO played with it with the crowd. I enjoyed yes. Vince McMahon yes. playing with it at Hall of Fame. I thought that was great. Uh, it was the most we've ever seen. The I think we've seen people play with the crowd back. Because it's usually a point of contention where you can tell that this, the crowd is trying to hijack the moment and trying to make it about something else and trying to derail people. It's meant as a troll. And for the first time we did see this past week, Brock Lesnar feed into it and laugh about it. We saw Roman get feed into it and get angry about it. We saw uh, Kevin Owens do it back at the crowd to make them annoyed. Uh, we saw Vince do the slow turn to the audience like they shouldn't be doing this. Like We saw a few things where it, were, it makes you wonder if it'll be played with more because it's not going away. Uh, but I still don't prefer it. Yeah. yeah do I, uh, especially, you know, I, I did notice for the Raw After Mania, um, you know, at, um, the chance and everything, but in terms of the what, uh, the cadences, people were speeding up their speech cadences. I know, and uh, I think it was, it was an MVP, maybe um, a couple of wrestlers who were talking. Um, people actually started wanting Cody Rhodes a little bit. I heard it. And then just, yeah. he kept rolling along in his, in his promo, just going along. So people were trying to, you know, get it in where they could. So I saw a lot of uh, different pauses, different cadences being used throughout Raw After Mania to stop the what chance. Um, I just hope that, again, like you're saying, Marsh, just to hijack the show with what, you know, hopefully that does taper off at this point. Yeah, 100%, because now we've gotten that big moment. I will say as a quick yeah. sidebar before we get back into night two, uh, um, which I think will roll through kind of fast, to be honest, because I wanted yeah. to say a few things. Um, the uh, uh, Cody, how jarring must it have been for him to go from AEW where he was getting largely booed out of the building by the time he left? to having the kinds of chants and cheers he was getting by Raw. I mean, he got cheers when he went out there, and it looked like that was emotional for him for Mania. But the You Deserve It and the Cody chants and just the outpouring of love the WWE fan base was giving him, he had to be all like, yep, definitely the right time, you know? Absolutely. You know, um, you, know you, you have to believe, you know, what's the, uh, you know, if you don't believe that you deserve to be WWE champion, why are you doing this? Or or heavyweight champion, why are you doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And he stuck to his guns. He knew he was a main event player, left, as he said in his promo, left for six years, came back, and now he's that main event star. He worked, you know, the infamous stories you hear, Drew McIntyre left for a little while, came back. You know, yeah. you know all these wrestlers that Bobby Lashley left, came back became champion just you know these these sabbaticals wrestlers are taking to step away retool sharpen up and then come back stronger than ever uh and then also you're right getting the getting the crowd the cheers the cheers yeah. the happy hey you're back okay and we want you you know and and just tapping into the roots as we talked about earlier with dusty Rhodes, you know just getting into that mindset of i'm doing this i'm, I'm the good guy here I'm doing this for, you know, for the title and just, I, I want to take the crowd. I want to take you along with me. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, it does put a button on the end of night one. And I will say, as we talk about both nights, I felt like 
Drew sort of mentioning it here. I, he think it reassured him it, it was a good move and maybe should have made AEW won't ever be that big. I don't know if I'd say ever, but it's going to be a long time. And I feel like the part of what this WrestleMania weekend did was I feel like it really put the WWE put their chips on the table to remind everybody it's not a close second. It's a very distant second. No one does it like we do it. And I felt like night one for, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you pro wrestling and sports entertainment are the same thing. It's a different type of branding, but for people who want to talk about pro wrestling being more about the matches and sports entertainment being more about the, the outside, the bell to bell, I felt like night one was as pro wrestling as it gets. It was as wrestling match heavy as we get. We even got stone cold in a real wrestling match, uh, with real bumps it wasn't some nostalgia act necessarily. There was a shitload of nostalgia on it, but can you do both? Yes, you can. Night one yeah. was as pro wrestling as it gets on the highest level with the highest platform and said, this is what we do and no one does it better. And night two was as sports entertainment as it gets and says, you know what? This is what we do and nobody does it better. And what they did by the whole weekend is said, we do it all and we do it all to the highest. And it really, I think, put a stamp on it and go like, oh, yeah, number one by a lot, you know? Yes. Agreed. Uh, let's talk night two for a bit. Uh, like I said, we don't – because this was right. such a sports entertainment heavy episode, like night, I feel like that a lot of the talking points weren't really like the way we were breaking down the matches just now. Like uh, I will say the opening match, the triple threat t- tag match uh, – RK Bro, Street Profits, and Alpha Academy was a lot of fun. A lot of big high spots. A lot of big high spots. A lot of a, a lot of fun with you know. I, so I gotta tell you, just looking at it, right? Chad Gable and Otis are fun. The shoot, like just that whole. You know, there's the, the, the whole uh, segments with RK Bro with the trivia and Jeopardy and all that. So just all that was great. Great character work there. But yeah. in regards to the triple threat, one part I wanted to bring up was giving an edge to the Street Profits. Uh, you know, when the Street Profits attacked, you know, RK Bro and the mm. Raw Prior and everything. Just yep. I didn't know that could have flipped either way. Or the Street Profits bad guys now. Or is it to give them the edge? But that's how the end of the match happened, where you know you have RK Bro retaining with the sickest RKO, uh, Matt Riddle hitting the RKO off the top rope while Montez Ford was up there. I loved how Montez, like he was up there waiting for them, but he was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like he just like you see the look, you see like the 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 locomotive coming your way, and there's nothing you can do about it, like. Wait, oh no, no, it's got yeah. no and then he just gets nailed and then Orton hitting the RKO yeah. too. That's always always a plus. But and then you have, you know, RK Bro and the Street Profits all cheersing at the end, bring in uh Gable Stevenson in at the at the other part, which by the way, they did announce him both nights. Stephanie McMahon came out yeah. Saturday night and announced and also right before that match said, Hey, this is the future. Gable yeah. Stevenson. And then he was able to come out and then do the, uh, the you know, take out Gable at the end there, which was great. Uh, you know, to give, give a little taste to the WWE Universe and to everyone. Uh, but I'm glad, though, the Street Profits turned back into, oh, no, 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 we're the Street Profits. Cups, party, here you go. Like, I would not have wanted to see a heel turn for the Street Profits. 
I'm glad that they're they're you know that was just like an edge move they did where it was like just oh just getting ready for the match and then they just oh no 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 we're cool we're all cool right okay good mm. then that's that's why I'm glad they left it that way. Oh, okay, uh, I think I'd prefer to, a shift in their character, but but I could see that. Um, I'm just also not a big fan of their characters the way that they are. So uh, for me, a shift would would be welcomed. But at the same time, I understand why a lot of people like them, and I don't think that I have to like everything that everybody does. I've always. Uh, I am a little surprised they didn't end up with a Gable Stevenson Chad Gable match on Raw. I thought we might actually get a match because of that physicality there, uh, and we didn't get we didn't see any of them uh, on Raw at all. So I was a little surprised I, by that, but they'll probably be holding on to it for later. I. I think I read that he still he has like one more month of school after something, one or one or two more months of before he graduates. Oh. I think that's the thing. Like he's still because he's a collegiate wrestler. He he he's a scholar athlete, right? So he has two NCAA titles, heavyweight titles, along with this gold medal. But he he completing his education is very important. Not that he's not training already, but I think as soon as he graduates. Then he'll yeah. be able to go full board and get into storylines and everything. So I think this was just a hey, Gable Stevenson coming up. You know, uh, you know, keep, 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 you know, just um, keep an eye out for him. Pretty much. Well, I didn't expect him to come out and have a story. I thought that he would actually just do a match and have it be a short little match where Gable makes him look real good and strong and crazy, and then he disappears again for a month. And you know what I mean? Like I thought it might do something like that, but yeah, yeah, obviously don't need to do that. And they didn't. They didn't. Uh. That was also followed by Lashley and Omos, which I thought was a pretty cool way to tell that story. He was, again, a, a giant against a big dude who, like, almost made Bobby Lashley look like a normal-sized human, and that was insane. Yes. And, and I loved Omos's, uh sell of the suplex. Like, it was something he'd never experienced. The way his eyes bugged and he sat up, like, what was that? Like, that was cool. He hasn't. That's yeah. the first suplex, at least from, from memory, him ever having his feet over his head. That's right, that we've seen. Before. Right, that right. we've seen. I'm sure he's trained it, but that's what I mean. Like, I thought the cell was so right. perfect because it made me believe he'd never experienced anything like that. It was awesome. And that's what makes Bobby Lashley the almighty. Yeah. able just to do it. And let's couple that into Raw real quick. Um, you know, talking about, you know, almost coming out with Lashley when MVP was in the ring. MVP mm-hmm. turns on Lashley uh, because I, I believe this is what's going to give almost that next level having MVP talk him up, be the mouthpiece and everything, you know, yeah. uh, just, I, I think this is the next chapter for almost, uh, I think MVP is going to be that piece of the puzzle he needs to, 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 uh, to move on from here. I just wish that MVP didn't actually have to get physical with Bobby Lashley. Like, I don't see why you couldn't have moved forward with Bobby Lashley doing his own thing. You couldn't have had MVP announce his newest client almost and say, I'm done with that Bobby Lashley. I don't agree with what that chump's doing. He doesn't respect me. And and let that be part of the story where it's like, look, we're going our separate ways because I don't like the guy anymore. To get physical makes me think we're going to see more Bobby and almost. And I don't want to see Bobby sacrifice for the sake of almost at this point. I want to see, because I think Bobby's poised for a title shot after something like this. He's poised to get back in the title picture and I think if he's wrapped up with almost to take a loss or two, I don't like it. Does that make sense? It does make sense in that, you know, just right. It should have been, I beat almost. I should be moving into contention, which, you know, because mm-hmm. almost has been built as this monster for over a year, being team, teaming up with AJ Styles and, 
you know, the, the, the Colossus, as Corey Graves would always say. Yeah. Um, you know, just built up to be this monster. He actually beats him. Um, and then, yes, with the um, – I could see a shift happening. Or maybe Lashley takes two in a row and almost gets pushed off to the side and Lashley continues his ascent back up mm-hmm. to the championship that they did call That's out that he lost prematurely when he was out with his concussion in the chamber. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so that story, that part of the story is still being built in. Yeah. I can see this to be more to push Bobby towards that face role again, to a good guy mm-hmm. role again. That, you know, MVP can talk just like the Miz. We're talking about the Miz making um, making uh, Logan Paul more of a uh, uh, a face by him being more of a heel. Same thing. MVP healing up almost more to make Bobby more of the good guy that way, building him that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That could be. That could be. And I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. I will say the only negative about this is it is a little bit weird that we got this match here and no Intercontinental title or U.S. title. This would have been a good spot for a ladder match of sorts for either of those. and uh, That doesn't take away from these guys or their importance in their own way, but that's why part of me feels this could be slotting somebody for a title picture because you sacrifice the Intercontinental U.S. title for sake of something like this. So, um, I agree after that, though, we did get Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. Fun, this, fun, 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 fun. I did not grow up enjoying Jackass. I remember thinking the first Jackass movie was kind of funny, but I didn't like almost any of the Jackass shows or all the movie since, and I don't even watch much of them, and I think the guys are all kind of like um, second-rate stuntmen, second-rate carnival performer types, right? Uh, but... As much as I don't enjoy Jackass in general, this was awesome. This was so fun. It works out so well with and this this couldn't have been put together more perfect. Sami Zayn is the absolute perfect person for this. Sami Zayn will take crazy bumps. I don't think Sami Zayn took a bump there that he hasn't probably taken before. Except for maybe the giant mouse trap. And I think that <laughs> Original nobody Original idea by the way. Original idea of the mouse trap is great. It was so good. It was so funny because it was all stupid and crazy and it was so jackass and it just, I don't think this could have been more perfect. And I get that there's a lot of people who were shitting on it just being like not believable and the suspension of disbelief and (sighs) it's the jackass crew. I'm all about suspension of disbelief, but I also really like The Undertaker and Kane. I really like The Fiend. I really like Alexa Bliss. There's some times that you can say, okay, now in that same regard, I did not like the stadium stampede matches. You know what I mean? But like, I think that there's a way to do it. And I think part of the problem with the stadium stampede is you had a bunch of wrestlers doing weird, silly shit in a really weird setting. This was a crazy conspiracy theorist, silly wrestler with a bunch of jackass guys doing jackass shit inside of a ring. It was wild, and it worked for me personally. You, you it, in, in some ways, it's a match because it's in the ring, but it's an entertainment spectacle. That's what WrestleMania is. This is this put the entertainment in sports entertainment this weekend. Was this match Johnny Knoxville? You know what you're going to get. Stuntman extraordinaire, twenty years in the business at least, twenty five yeah. years maybe doing what he's doing. 
Sami Zayn, as you're saying earlier, Marsh, the just the sum that just he just spins it into gold. Yeah, just spins yep. it, spins it into gold. Whether it's social media, whether it's an interview, whether it's you know going on to the cell phone bit. I have five thousand seventy five messages. They literally had it said the number on it. Literally yep. said the number. Just you know buying into it. It was serious for Sammy. You know, mm-hmm. the cell the was there. It was serious to Sammy saying, this guy, Johnny Knoxville, is making my life a living hell. I'm going to pay him back at WrestleMania. And then Johnny yeah. Knoxville was just totally messing with him the entire time, including the stunts that were happening in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and I even said early on, I said, if they don't use that giant hand, it's going to be a total miss. And then when we were watching, I was like, oh, man, they're stuck in the ring. I was like, how do they get backstage to use the giant hand? And then after after I decided there's probably no way they're going to be able to do it, that's when he comes around the corner, the hand hits him from the side of the ring, and I went, holy shit, they made it work. <laughs> Nay Young and Mark Henry are so proud of their little boy. Yeah, yeah he's all grown up. All grown up. Um, uh, the, the other part, too, is uh, another funny that's out there is someone put Wee Man's body slam of Sami Zayn to the track of Gorilla Monsoon with Andre and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Here's the other thing. Getting body slammed. Okay, so Andre getting body slammed by Hulk Hogan. That was up to Andre. Sami Zayn getting body slammed by Wee Man. That was a lot of work from Sami. How incredible. As soon as I saw that and I was watching it and you can see what Sami's doing to make it work and look believable which is the craziest part i was like there's nobody better this couldn't have been a more perfect person for this sammy Zayn is if they had done a jackass match with literally anyone else it would not have worked like this this had to be sammy the same way that cody had to have seth the same way that austin had to have ko absolutely knoxville had to have sammy Zayn. What a, I mean, and, and what a, what a, like, what a cash in on, they had all those pieces there and were able to say, you know what? They do all work in this way specifically. Because if you'd done any other combination of those things, none of it would have worked as well. Everyone was absolutely highlighted to absolute perfection in what they can do to the absolute best. And it's what made this WrestleMania so perfectly good was because everyone was highlighted that way and a lot of times you see matches like oh that was a clash of this or ah that wasn't that great but they made it okay like there was none of that here every time someone did stuff you're like yep that's the absolute perfect person to do that thing uh beer every oh go ahead sorry guys my septic is being pumped and i i don't know if you're the the hum that was supposed to happen tomorrow they came early i apologize oh it's fine i can't hear it my absence no, you're good. Do you guys uh, hear it at all? Okay, it's okay. Great. Yeah, yeah. On um, mute. I love the Knoxville again. Another match we thought was going to be a celebrity match. Yeah. It was awesome. The only thing that you could tell was a snafu was the 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 PVC pipe mousetrap not working, and Knoxville just adjusted, and it was great. What yeah. a great fucking match! And Pat and Michael Cole were so good, and to have Pontius. If you're a fan of Jackass, yeah, Pontius come out with the, the banana fucking dance and dance. That's so 
<laughs> and then Wee Man, I know I heard you guys talking about the slam. Like, I, I don't know if it goes as one of the greatest slams of, of but it was impressive. It was I, great. I, again, a, again, a thing that I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's a celebrity match, it won't be great, was such a great match. It, it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. It was awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what were you going to say, producer? Of people, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did uh, she say? I'm Grim, sorry, she just said it was a perfect utilization of people in general throughout all of the the things. Yeah. I don't know what I was saying before. Well, Ref Marsh said, I don't know, you didn't listen to the live stream, Grim Reaper, but he was hoping Hornswoggle and Wee Man would have a thing, but Wee Man <laughs> signed a real person, which made it better, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it made it way better. Go ahead, Grim. The dominoes fell. The first domino fell. The next domino fell. And domino rally all the way through. And everyone did their part that needed to happen. Uh, even the mousetrap fell at the end. So pretty much overall great match. Great entertainment spectacle. That's what WrestleMania is. And it, it did it did what it needed to do. Made everybody happy. Good times all around. And we moved on from there. I'll yeah. say this. I will never not think of Sami Zayn and not think of Ref, Ref Marsh as his favorite wrestler. Because oh, yeah. he's so brilliant. He's awesome. Yeah. How he fun is that? All right. Well, now I've lost something here. Oh, here we go. Um, no, no, that's wrong, too. I don't have a. What was next? Uh, my no, thing uh, the, um, the women's title match was next. The, the tag, tag title. title. Yeah. That was great, man. All those women did so well, and I couldn't tell if it was going to be Liv and, and Rhea or Sasha Naomi. I'd been saying Sasha Naomi, but I felt like you could easily give a moment like that to Liv and Rhea. I'm happy with Sasha Naomi. I think you can do a lot with it. And I just thought this match went off fantastic. How great was Zelina and Carmella in this, too? Everyone in there. Yeah. And what are they going to do with Zelina and Carmella? And then the fact that Zelina was hitting on Corey Graves, that that be a story. That was a more interesting and intriguing story to me than, because I, I know this is carrying over to Raw, but like, or maybe I'm not. Anyway, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, in the in the chat real quick, Micah says, Meltzer said he was embarrassed to watch that match, and I almost replied with a fuck you. I think he's talking about the Jackass match. Uh, and I agree because I think that that's just that was one of those times that Meltzer's bias was really on display uh, because who? who who yeah yeah uh, I'm never talking about that guy ever I'm not oh, giving yeah. him play he's never right he, he's never right me, and his bias Tucker shows Carlson and stuff like that of, uh, the WWE that makes sense fuck that guy that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's just one of those times where his, his super bias that he says he doesn't have was super on display because in similar style goofy matches. The other promotions does. He goes, this was perfect. The crowd loved it. It was amazing for what it was. And you're all like, the crowd loved this? <laughs> like, so, Rev, Rev no. Marsh, when you told me to stop following your dirt sheets, the first guy I unfollowed on Twitter was that guy. I've never followed and him. I, I just am not. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to do it. I want to enjoy what I watch, and I want to love what I watch, and I don't want to get bogged down with fake news. And yeah. That's this fucking guy. He's Russian state media. Yeah. That's it was uh, it was really fun. Uh, now the Carmella Zelina thing. I do think 
you could absolutely start building into some rivalry stuff with Carmel and Zelina. I think you could actually turn Carmela face off of it because you can have Zelina yeah. constantly flirting with Carmela, or not Carmela with yeah. Corey. Like uh, yeah. you can do all sorts of stuff where she like runs out of the ring and dives onto Corey's lap, and he's like, "Oh no, what are you doing?" And Carmela comes over, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, yeah, yeah, I think you no, could have a lot of fun with yes. it. It could actually work out. Hey, look, you can you can do like you can do the sexual thing and do it well without making it like overtly Over. terrible like yeah. they've done in the past I am a huge fan of that and yeah. Carmella Carmella should continue to be a heel she's a great she's heel great. she's obnoxious she's awesome <laughs> heel I love her yeah. I love her even more because of you guys the show is cool you have that too so you get to see the humans that might actually hurt her as a character though, because she's actually like the sweetheart as a real person um, but I don't, I don't think they should, I think the fans now are so sophisticated, the wrestling fans, they don't need the kayfabe stuff as much, right? They just want to appreciate in-ring stuff, but you can be real with them outside, yeah, you know? Kind of both. Yeah, I think it prevents the, like, Seth Rollins getting punched in the face thing, even though Seth Rollins had nothing to do with that. It was, mm-hmm. uh, somebody being, um catfished but yeah. i i am 100 percent for this and i would much rather Corey graves be a part of the carmelo queen Zelina stuff because he is great in that and i don't look and i get it like Corey, i understand you've been in the business pat mcafee is what coach jb calls a fucking unicorn there's nobody like this guy mm-hmm. he was a soccer player in school he didn't even play football in high school until the end of like the end of days. He kicked field goals in college. He wasn't a punter. He got drafted as a punter, and then he becomes a punter. I didn't know if you knew that, Ref Marsh. If he made the Super Bowl his first year, he's like, thank God I didn't have to punt because he had Peyton Manning as a quarterback. Yeah, I'm just telling you, like, it, he is a f- – look, and then he goes from the – we're not there. I don't want to get into it. We're talking about Queen Zelina and Carmella. Love it. I want a feud. Let Corey Graves be a part of that. I think it's perfect. And it would yep. be, it, you could run this for six months and no one will be tired of it. Yeah, I agree. And, and sports, baby, you were just talking about a moment with, um, you know, pedigree, right? Where people have come from and everything. Pat, which we'll talk about uh, later on, you know, just his fault. I watch a show every day just like you. Yeah, uh, for the last couple of years now, so I I'm with I'm on the Pat McAfee train 100. percent But with Corey though, I mean for for some of us that you know that have watched NXT, he was in NXT in the beginning where the Wyatts was still in NXT. Like he was tag team champions with Neville back in the day. Um, now known as um, Pac in AEW. Yeah. Um, so he had a career prior to getting his concussions and everything. Now. Thankfully, as Mark said earlier, you know, cleared tests over the last year. So there's yeah. just got to, you just got to have that moment though, right? Where we're talking about Veer earlier. We're talking about these other wrestlers earlier, earlier where Elias being back on the shelf for a while and now coming out as a new character. You got to have the moment, right? I believe that, you know, I know that the relationship between Corey and Carmella was brought up back with Total Divas a couple of years ago. You know, that was brought up, but that's not, that wasn't really canon in the storyline. 
Yeah, yeah. With Corey and Carmella coming out with their YouTube show over the last month right. or two, yeah. that has now been incorporated into storyline. Where and it's, it's like part well, of the commentary Corey, too. Right, exactly. Like Corey, but oh, she is the hottest in WWE, and all the just you know. Now they're buying into it because it's a part of storyline. Carmella making out with Corey yesterday because they're getting married this week. By the way, by the way, that was not kayfabe. They were (laughs) fucking making out. Like I was like, I I felt honestly as a fan, and look, I look, dude, like I am not what they would call uh, Churchy Joe or Ned Flanders esque. I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, guys. I, I think they're getting married this on week. TV. You know this, right? Like, it was – no, maybe that was their intention. But, again, all I'm saying is, Grim Reaper, I, I have nothing – like, let Corey Graves – I want I want Corey Graves to live. Mm-hmm. He, I feel like he dominates – We all do. He, he dominates the Raw a little bit yeah. more than I would like. Uh, I would love to see Carmella and uh, Saxton. Like, let's do that too. If you're not going to use Queen Zelina and Corey Graves, but I don't know. Uh, I just, for me, uh, I when Corey talks shit about Pat McAfee specifically, it feels petty and small, and and it feels like they are friends, though. They you are know, friends, like, over on the book. I've heard Pat, like, Corey's been on Pat's show. show. Like, they are they are good with each other for the most part. Yeah, no, recently I've heard Pat, you watch the show, I've heard Pat say, yeah, he thought him and Corey were good. I don't know, man. Uh, and Pat uh, even responded to a couple of my Twitters about Corey talking shit about him. So, yeah, yeah in the past. But then yeah. going to what you were saying earlier, I think you and Mark combining to say, Maybe this is a match going into SummerSlam. Another spectacle match for Pat. Pat versus Corey, maybe starting to plant the seeds. Because what we do know is that Pat has that way of, you know, he, he stays, I don't say stays kayfabe on his show, but he does. He wore right. the collar after NXT War Games. He wore, yeah. like, just, he sticks with it, like, that, that scumbag. Yeah, he still says that right. scumbag Adam Cole. Still says yeah. it, yeah. So, just he sticks yeah. with it. But to roll back to the tag match, it was a good match. I liked it. Yes, Sasha and Naomi going over. It's great. They have the titles. They'll bring more prestige to the tag tag titles now. Hopefully they defend it a lot more. They bring star power to those titles. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But now, moving into Raw, though, you saw changing and shifting of tag teams. Yeah. Zelina and Carmella, Splitsky, not together anymore. They're going to go their separate ways. Seeds potentially planted for Liv and Rhea Ripley splitting. Yeah. With, you know, hey, yeah, oh, they had a little they had a little scuffle at the end, but hey, I was able to get us a tag title shot. Okay. They're gonna wrestle Naomi and Sasha next week. Possibly some seeds of dissension there. Hold on and one second, Grim Reaper. Sure. Uh Drucifer says mixed tag Corey Mella, Pat Zelina. I don't know about that. Here's what I'll say. Uh I, I just want to chime in this. I don't know how Ref Mark. I'd like to hear what Ref Marsh feels about this. But is is there a wrestling fan out there that's emotionally invested in Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley? That's very recent. I don't feel like that. Like, oh, that's not working out. If that is not working out, it's 
it's something that's lost in the annals of, of wrestling history because no one's invested in that at all. If you were there, that was a recent pairing. You're right. There was a recent pairing. There wasn't yeah. a lot of stock put in there. There's um, nothing. There's no. There's I mean, not like Rhea and uh, Nikki Cross, but she was the uh, you know the, almost a superhero Nikki yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that was a that was yeah, a bigger Nikki build. That was right. Rhea, I'm more invested in that. Like I was like, what's going on with Nikki Ash? I would have liked to seen her like coming in her fear in one of these tag team matches almost. But what do you think, Ref Marsh, about the the? Uh, you can't be emotionally invested in and and Liv Morgan and and Rhea Ripley, even though I love both those wrestlers. Like that tag team pairing, there's no, there's no. Now, if they keep it for another year and a half, I'm going to be invested. Uh, I think that, so far as I can tell, even just based off of online stuff that I see, I think more people are invested in Liv and Rhea than were ever invested in Nikki and Rhea because Nikki and Rhea seemed like a really awkward pairing of two characters that didn't seem to to have anything to do with each other. That they made work and made it made sense after a little bit, and you're like, okay, I'm okay with it. They split them up kind of early. Uh, Liv and Rhea are two similar characters in a lot of regards and two major fan favorites that people are behind them separately enough that when they're together, people want to see them succeed together. I feel like that if they're jumping off ship already, it's a little premature because I feel like it doesn't take much to ramp it up to make people truly care and not just like their faves. But right now they have that heat from being people's faves that people are okay with with going that route, should they go that route? The fact that they're already kind of like teasing a split is like, it feels a little early. Drucifer says the horny folks want to see them team, and he's talking about Liv and Rhea. But uh, aren't they getting a title match next week? Yeah, yep. Next week? They do. So if they yeah. win, that's going to put them over for a while. Yes. Because I, I feel like uh, we don't need to have. Uh, Queen Zelina and Carmella's champions anymore, and I feel like I think Sasha is so big. I don't know that she needs to be tied up with Naomi. Now that being said, I love that tag team; they're awesome. I I hope that goes. So on. you want them to win? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think that maybe they probably take that away from us right away, and they just go there. And I think that's of all the things we were talking about, those two are the ones I think we'll most likely see separate right I think uh, building towards Sasha Naomi one on one would be bigger than building towards uh, Liv and Rhea and I think it's a little early to do it but I think it's a little early to do a lot of the stuff they're doing right now so we'll see if they do end the tag team with Sasha Naomi I'd like to see them in a in you know butt heads because I think that you could elevate Naomi um, with a Sasha feud and I do think Liv and Rhea as tag champions could have a lot of fire behind it for a bit so seems a little quick to do it, but you could definitely pull yeah. it off, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, to your point, Ref Marsh, it's the popularity of those two characters. Rhea is, I love her. She's awesome. Did you see the interview where the person was like, hey, did you hear about Neighbors, which is a long-running Australian show oh, yeah. canceled, and uh, Grim Reaper, we talked about this in the live stream, and she's like, no, I did not hear, but it's been on for like 30 fucking seasons. And she's and he's like, oh, I'm sorry to break, you know. Anyway, she's 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 brilliant, and li- and who doesn't love Liv? Yeah. What do they do with? Um, no. Anyway, I don't want to get off track. Carry on. Uh, Edge and AJ Styles. What do you think, Grim? No, they don't want none. They don't want right. none. No, they don't want none. They don't want none. 
They don't want yeah. none. Okay. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Listen, I gotta tell you, AJ Styles, been my boy for a long time. Uh, when I'm at a live event and he's there, I literally turn to the people behind me and I say, "Listen, I am probably only gonna stand up for one person at this show, and it's AJ Styles." Just letting you know. Sorry, little kids behind me. It's going to be one person. If AJ Styles comes out, I am standing up. I am singing the theme when he comes out. I'm going to do the P1. I'm going to do all that. Okay, just letting you know that right now. So AJ Styles will always have something for me. I always want him to win and be awesome. Um, However, I do feel Edge beating AJ Styles was the right move here. Edge with his new Edge in his character, switching to that Undertaker purple, you know, the black and everything. What a Um, cool tribute, by the way. Oh, excellent tribute. Uh, Just, I like, also, the match itself was good. It was a solid match. Obviously, you have AJ and you have Edge. You know, know, and I believe this is, you know, if Edge only has so many matches left, I'm glad he had this match, and he's in this view with AJ. Some people may talk about the ramp up. Why did Edge change? You know, he did the one man concerto a couple weeks ago, like super ramped up everything for WrestleMania. There wasn't a simmer; it just boiled over right away to this match. There were, there have been WrestleMania matches that that two people have had that have spilled into further months down the line into a SummerSlam. Like I think more notably Batista and Triple H, mm-hmm. WrestleMania twenty one. They had their match. Triple H lost to Batista. They had their match at Backlash. Batista beat Triple H again. Then a couple months later, they ended their feud with a Hell in a Cell match. Batista beat Triple H and Hell in a Cell was three matches. So WrestleMania could be the genesis of a feud going into future months as well, not just the end. So I believe, you know, adding Priest into the, Damian Priest into the uh, equation is going to add, give more legs to the story as well. Who knows if someone's going to help Styles as the story goes on, but it keeps the story evolving. I think their match was just chapter one to get things moving. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was cool, and I liked all those homage things. Um, So I don't have a lot to say about the match other than it was what I was hoping it would be. I don't know that it over-delivered. I don't know that it was better than I thought it was going to be, but it was as good as I thought it was going to be for sure. Uh as a real quick uh, fantasy book, who do you want to see join uh, Edge's faction? If, it, if it's me, I put Mason T-Bar with him. Listen, remember I said simmer, not boil over. That would just push the group to the moon. We can't do that. <laughs> um, but when you Too look much at it, power. right, I, I think like I'm hearing sweet nothings about Rhea Ripley joining the group. And after she splits with Liv, it's going to be because of Edge. I hear that might happen. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. But who would I want? I mean, it has to be some up-and-comer or someone that just needs a little bit more of a edge. So to speak. I mean, Damian Priest. Now, the one thing about Damian Priest, though, is that he had the U.S. title. He lost it. He had the match with Bad Bunny last year. That should have been a catapult for him. So this pairing with Edge is going to help him yeah. move into that next phase of his career. I hope that, that yeah. that's, where it's, that's where it's headed. Um uh, the one interaction, though, speaking of Rhea Ripley, and I think I want to touch on that, her crossing pass with Kevin Owens. You, you don't see the cross path unless there's something's going to happen. I don't know if Kevin Owens is going to join the edge factor 
a faction, you know, because he did count down to 10, you know, at the count of 10, if Elijah doesn't get out of the ring by the count of 10, I'm going to do something you're going to regret. I don't know if it's a match he's going to have with him, Ezekiel, excuse me, if uh, he's going to have a match with Ezekiel or it's like, you know what, I need to get put on the right path. I'm going to team up with Edge. Like there's things don't just happen by accident. Interactions don't happen by accident. The reason I thought it might be is I felt like maybe Cody ran long and they were trying to make up time. Okay. Because we saw a few a few times where an entrance was happening as another skit was ending kind of a deal. And I felt like they were just trying to make up some time by being like, okay, okay. Go, 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 go. And so it's also possible. But I don't disagree with you. A lot of times it's for a purposeful reason. But maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think that who I I think Rhea would be a great one because I think that she is just like Damian Priest, a little stop and stop. Uh, should have been shot to the moon, but something seems to be holding it back, and we don't know quite what that is. I would say uh, someone else who I would feel like could potentially be in that conversation. Producer lady said Shotzi. I would say maybe oh, even okay. a Ricochet. Okay. Like there's a lot of people you could put with Edge to give them that final little sizzle. Even if you want to get crazy. Alexa. She's still got that dark thing going. If you still want to use it, um, it's the only way I could see it staying without a story. I think she holds her own well enough, but I, I could know. see it. Just for the star power. But I think that you want people around Edge who need Edge of star power and not just to... But at the same time, maybe you put an Alexa in there to bring up a Rhea and a Shotzi. Because maybe yeah. a but woman star power and a man star power are different star powers, potentially. Yeah. Uh, Drew in the chat says Dexter Loomis. Maybe. I mean, as long as it gets them away from the fucking indie stuff. Um, oh, my God. Um, with that, though, too, with Edge, especially with him being in the twilight of his career, still top-notch, but still towards yes. the end of his career. And he's even said, you know when you have a punch card that you use for, like, you know, you get you know ten punches, you get a sandwich or something? His entire card is punched. With yeah. all the matches and all the, the his entire career, you know, with his uh, with his neck and with everything like that, just we need to save Edge matches as much as possible. So have him being in a faction and a stable, he can be like, "All right, then uh, you'll face uh, you'll face me tonight." No, J.K., you're gonna face Damian Priest. Like, just yeah. it will keep yeah. Edge on TV, even though he's not wrestling every week. Someone in his faction is. Yeah. 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 Uh, I agree with that, uh, Grim Reaper. I think that that is probably exactly the reason they're doing this with Damian Priest. Uh, I don't think Damian Priest needed a push from Edge at all. I think this is just a great, innovative way to keep Edge relevant for a couple more years until he, WrestleMania 40 or whatever, is done again. Um, yeah, that's it. Maybe. Uh, I'm just going to fire past this one unless you guys have anything to say about it. Uh, as much as I love the New Day coming out in Big E gear, I don't know why you'd have them lose in a minute 40 to, to Butch and them. Uh, they ran out of time. I, I mean, the fact that it was a short match is one thing, but the fact that New Day took the loss is the, is the thing. Even if yeah, it was... that shouldn't have happened. I just don't get it at all. It didn't It wasn't exactly a feel-good moment, but I loved the Big E tribute, but outside yeah. of that, I was kind of like... Yeah, it kind of... did took away from the Biggie tribute. It made no bit. sense from the WWE standpoint either. Because honestly, if Butch and Ridge Holland and 
Seamus lost. No one would have cared. No one would have cared. Take and, away from them. It was yeah. a it was a bad move. If I had to say yeah. again, if I had to tell the WWE, you fucked up on one thing. It's other than Charlotte losing to Ronda, or winning. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I added my head so much the other way. I I, I just feel like it with Biggie yeah, this... getting his neck broke by Rich Holland and shit. They should have put them over. They could yeah, have, on Raw, they could have changed the titles, and I wouldn't care. The one thing about the whole interaction with, with New Day and, and you know, the, uh, you know, Seamus' group, call them, I'm, try, think, I'm thinking of a cool name, something like that. But when that happened, they were cut from Saturday. Uh, yes. Seamus put a tweet out with scissors. Yeah, yeah, and their no, match no. was Ref, cut. Is the one like, that they were that. they were the token divas match from back ten years ago that was cut. Nick Nabella's yes. talked about it. They were the 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 time saver match. Yes, they get cut from Saturday. In my mind, this match only happened because maybe Pat. Because right after that was Pat McAfee and McMahon and Austin and Theory. We're talking about they it. needed more buffer time. Like, oh, no, wait, they're not ready yet. Send all those guys out. Because if, if everyone was ready, really they would have not had that match at all. I think it was a last-second throw-in match. And then you have the, the pre-match beatdown. The three-minute yeah. beat, even though it was a minute for you, three-minute three minute beatdown. And then yeah. just, this match was supposed to be a six-man with Big E. I think... Yeah. I think the Ridge Holland and Sheamus and all they were gonna they were gonna win anyway, even if Biggie yeah. wasn't hurt. I they need so. to push a new group. Real quick, Micah yeah. says he wasn't a fan of them replaying the the Yeah, they the, showed it. Yeah. They showed the, the the belly to belly. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, I was yeah. not a fan of that either. I'll, however though, it is a lesson for every wrestler on the roster to be like, hey, don't do what you fucking can't do. Uh, I feel like they that group of people, and I don't get, sorry, I know you guys watch NXT, the Butch thing, whatever. I could beat that dude's ass. Get, get the fuck out of here. Uh, wait, wait, it's one of those angles that you have to let more, give more time to breathe. No, I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, he's all angry, so what? Fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. One of the best wrestling superstars got his neck fucking broken. Okay. Why are you angry? The New Day is the reason they should have been angry. By the way, are you going to take away from Xavier Woods and Kobe Kingston, King of the Ring, and a guy that's a former title? Oh, by the way, Big E had the title too. Fuck off. They missed the mark on that one. I agree with Ref Marsh. That was the worst outcome other than Charlotte and Ronda of the weekend. They Again, as a whole, loved WrestleMania and enjoyed it and felt great about it. This one, I think they could have. I think they could have just gave it to the New Day and let that group of whatever the fuck they are, fucking UK needing dental fucks, do something else. Uh, I do so, think uh, that so you're not going to give them time, are you? No. I just don't uh, care. Why do I care? Give me okay. a reason as a fan to care about it, and I will care. I cared about it when Big E got his neck broke, so they're gonna run it another six months. I don't know. They should have just ended it because they couldn't have prognosticated Big E breaking his neck, right? So were they planning on running this longer? That's the only thing I can think of is that this was gonna be a much longer storyline. 
and they were like, we got to give Big E something because he's ripped the title out of his hand kind of unceremoniously. But for me, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they could just have taken the new day a different direction. I, I feel like Xavier Woods could go anywhere. Kofi could go anywhere. Big E could go anywhere. They could do anything with those characters. They're so versatile, so good, so well articulated to the fans. Uh, Micah says, I already talked about the Charlotte match with Marsh. Super confusing why she won. She's the only thing casual fans and hardcore fans agree on. Yeah, you're you're right, Micah. Yeah. Uh, let me stop you there, Beard, uh, because like I said, I, w- I wanted to just say a couple things on this and move, move forward. I will say that yeah. I do agree that Seamus, Ridge, and Butch are going to be a big force and a great triple team to yeah. be out there. I just also think that with the in in lieu or in 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 response to the injury, it would have been nice to give New Day the win here, just because they are both such big time guys that it wouldn't hurt them to lose. It wouldn't yeah. hurt Seamus Ridge and Butch to lose to New Day, uh, and it would have been a feel good moment for the night, and you could have moved on, and and they just go. It would not. And 100% Rev Marsh. 100%. Would not have taken away from those monsters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying to, to put a bow on it. Uh, they're going to go different directions either way. Win or loss, these these teams are unlikely to be working together again because you don't have three on three anymore. Someone's going to have to join New Day to make that happen. So you might as well give New Day the win and then give Seamus Ridge and Butch a win over whoever's next and give them the win whoever's next after that and just kind of move forward there. Give the, the, the Big E thing the, its moment. Uh, but after that, we ended up with Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. Uh, I'm going to kind of lump this together a little bit. In my mind, I remember thinking like, hey, Stone Cold was last night. And I was like, how are they going to follow up Stone Cold on, on the second night? <laughs> and I felt kind of silly by the end of it when I realized you follow Stone Cold with Stone Cold. When Stone Cold came out, it was like it felt like they completed so much with Stone Cold the night before that I didn't feel like they needed to bring him out, but then they did, and I was like, "Oh yeah, they needed to bring him out." You know what I mean? Like it was so obvious that I didn't even think it would happen. Um, and so yeah, the, sh- the Pack McAfee Austin Theory was awesome. Uh, they did an, a tremendous job in there. Mac, uh, Mr. McMahon, Vince's mannerisms ringside while he was sitting there looking at the match, being clearly un, unhappy with Pat McAfee getting any offense in, uh, disappointed in Austin Theory when he was getting beat up, but like really proud of Austin when he was getting uh, the win. Ma- uh, Vince, even like teasing he's going to get in, no I won't, no I won't, yes I will, no I won't. And then just being like, fuck it, I'm going in. And while he's getting ready, he's talking to Austin Theory, and you're like, oh, what's he cooking up? The idea that McAfee gave Austin, or not gave, I mean, obviously he gives him, but at the same time, the, the idea that McAfee got no offense in on Vince, Austin Theory was underhanding uh, McAfee the whole time, Stone Cold comes out after McMahon gets the win, goes, this isn't going down like that, and beats the shit out of all of them, stuns them, beers, beers with Pat, stunner to Pat. This is the greatest night of Pat's life, there's no doubt, in my mind. <laughs> Pat McAfee had a win at WrestleMania. He had probably what will be the last Mr. McMahon match ever. Puts Vince over. That probably meant a lot to him to just put Vince over. And there is a really good chance that he took the last stunner by Stone Cold Steve Austin at a WrestleMania ever. 
and had beers with Austin. He's attached to a lot of history right now in this one segment. Go ahead, Grim. Take everything you just said. It's an investment on Pat mm-hmm. McAfee. A year ago, he was he the first SmackDown after WrestleMania. Pat McAfee and Michael Cole on SmackDown calling the action. This has been a built. Even Pat McAfee's announcement that he was going to become a SmackDown commentator. You had Vince McMahon on there. Pat McAfee, welcome to SmackDown. From yeah. the start all the way through to this moment. And people say that when Vince went on Pat McAfee's show, there was no angle. There was no, there was a, the start of the angle was Vince saying to Pat, you're going to have a match on WrestleMania. Oh my gosh, Vince. Thank you. This is my dream. That, that was a start of an angle. Yep. And it just moved along as time went on. Austin theory coming in. And everything, even to SmackDown when <laughs> nice, nice sports beer. But even when um, you're before the brand hat on, ah, okay, there you go. So no, it's um, broken. So well, whatever. So um, just going into even the SmackDown before WrestleMania, where Pat kicked down Vince McMahon's door to go get Austin Theory, and then Vince McMahon just shouting down Pat, "What are you doing in my door?" and everything, just. All the way through. Mm-hmm. So this has been, I don't know if you want to say, this whole year has been a build to Pat McAfee yeah. being in the ring. And again, goes to the point of investment. Pat's going to be a part of this company for years to come. The credibility of Pat, the athleticism, him on the commentary desk. He was given a main event slot in his first year being full-time with the company. Just the, the, the to cash in chips on Pat McAfee, Vince cashing in, WWE cashing in on who Pat McAfee is, has put not only a rocket, freaking to the moon and then some. Just really yeah. just this past year has just been a, a, a build to where Pat McAfee is going to be now on this pedestal moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sportsbeard, I was really surprised you hated this whole segment so bad. Yeah, no, no come on, man. <laughs> Uh, I think it's going to go down as the greatest match of this thing uh, of the WrestleMania 38. I think that I think that people probably underestimated Pat. You know what? I I I underestimated Pat's value to the brand, and by the mm. for the brand, I mean the WrestleMania brand, uh, yeah. the WWE brand. Incredible, again. Yeah. If I talk about it too much, I'll probably do it a disservice. Uh, that's how good it was. Yeah, it was amazing. And this was also peak perform, uh, peak sports entertainment. You know what I mean? Like Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin really putting a bow on that rivalry right there in the middle of Pat McAfee's segment. Pat McAfee being a part of that on both sides. The end of Vince and Stone Cold is on the foundation of Pat McAfee. That's incredible. This could be... I don't think it's the last we ever see Stone Cold ever, by any means. But this is likely the last match we ever saw him in. This is this could very well be the last time he take does a stunner at WrestleMania. 
this this is and this is there's a really good chance that's the last time you ever see Vince McMahon with his shirt off in a wrestling ring again. That's likely the last Vince McMahon match, and it's against Pat McAfee. And like Kevin Owens giving Stone Cold the win, Pat McAfee giving Vince the win. Big old nod to the guy who made it all happen. You know what I mean? Like Vince took a lot of losses in his wrestling career. And to be able to have his last one, have a little win over one of his commentators in a shitty way because he was being an asshole. Like that shirt said, you think I'm an asshole? Congratulations, I am. Vince being the peak asshole here, I loved it. Go ahead, Beard. I don't even know what to say. I mean... How about go through the actual match, forget the grandeur for one second... How about the match move for move? Pat's athleticism, jumping to the top. Yes. Of I mean, the moves. What did you think about that? That fucking match was incredible. Pat from the floor to the top rope. I mean, and again, Ref Marshall and I talk about this all the time. The casual fan coming in, the McAfee fan who gets 50,000 YouTube viewers a day. That doesn't mean that there's not 3 million people listening to him on Sirius XM. You know, like, he is getting a major bump. Uh, I, I I was blown away. Like, everybody, like, uh, who's the guy you work, uh, Robert? Austin Theory? No, 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 the wrestling guy that's uh, outside Austin. of the, the no, the re- he's a reporter for wrestling. Sam Roberts? Oh, Sam, Sam Roberts. Roberts. Came yeah. on to Pat McAfee and basically right. convinced his fan base, including me, that he wasn't going to win. I thought he wasn't going to win. I thought he's not going to win, but it'll be okay. I just didn't want Vince to fuck him over, which that happened too. But he won, and then you'll hear in the live stream, I said, I don't give a shit. He won. He beat Austin Derry. Uh, and then he fought Vince. Um, I... I will say the the Stone Cold Steve Austin it's the worst <laughs> for a 76 year old Vince McMahon uh, it didn't cheapen it for me at all I loved the, the whole thing do you know what validated that moment when after the stunner Austin laughed it off like Ah, you oh, son of a bitch. His laugh, yeah. but he, how about him signing it off, signed off for everybody that, no, 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 that, we know, we know what happened. Just, okay, let's just keep going. Like, he laughed at it. Yeah, no, it was great. Like, he had to be like, uh, like, he was like, I can't, and then, like, it was so good. JK, throw me another beer. Yeah, yeah, I'll say this, I'll say this. Outside of Mr. Perfect selling something, Pat sold the center better than anybody ever sold it. He didn't oversell it, but he stole it the best way. He spit beer out when he sold it. And then he's on the sidelines, and he's chugging a fucking beer. Dude, again, look, and here's the thing. Ref Marsh and I have talked about this before, and I don't know if you've caught this. Pat is authentic. That's why we love him. He loves the sport, and it shows. And he is going to be bigger than Adam Cole. I'm sorry, Adam Cole. Take your fucking mullet and go find a fucking 80s garage band and go tour the fucking bars of America. You'll never be as popular as Pat. 
Okay? What? You won't. You have what an imagination, but continue on. No, but I'm saying, like, I, that, and look, nothing against Adam Cole. He probably loves wrestling as much as, as, uh, as Pat does. Pat is a fucking unicorn. He's bringing outside eyes to wrestling. Again, I'm back because of Pat. I'm, I make no bones about it. I'm back in wrestling because of Pat. I love Ref Marsh. I love him like a brother. I love him more than my own brother. In fact, He's a good guy. I love him. I love him. I would take a bullet for him. That's how much I love him. He's a great guy. And I respect his opinion, and I, I love him. I do. I love him. He's a good man. Ref he Marsh. wants to tell him. Man. He's right there. Yeah, he knows. I fucking will tell him. <laughs> but... But I would not be back. And Ref Marsh is a huge wrestling fan. We went to a to a New York Rangers Penguins game, and my wife's a huge Rangers fan. I and I hate the fucking Penguins. Uh, in Madison Square Garden, Ref Marsh showed up with his fucking belt. You know, I had a championship fanny pack. Yeah, it's like belt size. We went size. to Barcade. Shout out Barcade. Love New York City. Uh, I will. I, Pat is the reason I'm back in wrestling. If Ref Marsh said, you should give wrestling a chance, I would not have done it. No, sorry. Pat McAfee was like, I'm in wrestling. I'm like, oh, I, I gotta get back to wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And if if the Stone Cold moment with Kevin Owens couldn't get better, no, I didn't get as emotional with this moment. Because the Stone Cold Kevin Owens moment meant a lot to me. This one... I think because thank you, Sam Roberts, by the way. Thank you for kind of tempering my expectations. I expected Austin Theory to win this. Uh, I just didn't want Vince to fuck over Pat because I thought the interview with Vince was incredible. I think Vince doesn't get the credit he deserves as an innovator. He's a billionaire, but he deserves a lot of credit for actually being amazing. And people want to shit on him because they think he's the character that's Vince McMahon on TV, but he's none of those things. He's yeah. super charitable. The WWE can't sell enough of the charity they do. There, I, I, I mean, it's sad that his wife didn't become a senator. It would have been great for Connecticut. But I, I'll just say this. I... This whole thing was... I mean... You want to talk Grim Reaper? I know you were already kind of alluding to this. This could have been the main event. This was the match that we will talk about for 30, until uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin end the world. We will uh, we will talk about this match. It was yeah, incredible. And, well, and on the, the, the topic of authentic, the authentic calls of Michael Cole, Cole calling it like his best friend was in there being screwed by Vince McMahon and, oh. and what an asshole and how much he hated Vince for doing this and that. And He talked oh God, about it, too. Yeah. That was so emotional. He's my best friend. I, yeah. Ref Marsh. Yeah. I mean, That's my best I, friend in there. I, I got so emotional. Like, not Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens emotional, but, like, right there. I was able to hold my shit together because I had lost it the first day. Incredible. And when, I think Michael Cole's best call in his career. Because you talk about authenticity, that's that's our 
thread right now. Exactly. Michael That's Cole, exact- like Michael Cole and Pat are like this. Yeah. Pat doesn't get anybody in the headset. It's Michael Cole giving him direction, a little bit of direction, but they let Pat go do what he has to do. But the thing is, though, the one thing about Michael Cole's commentary that when Pat beat Austin Theory and won, Michael Cole's voice was cracking. I think he was really yeah. tearing up. Like you, yeah. you felt yeah. the emotion off yeah. the page yeah. for for um for Pat. And just like Marsh was saying earlier, as Jr. was for Austin, I mean Cole was the biggest biggest support for Pat because Pat is the biggest coal miner out there. I just gotta say. Yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this. 100%. That is it. But have you ever heard Michael Cole that way? JR cracks like like all the time for Stone Cold, right? But I've never, ever heard, and I've heard Pat say that that Michael Cole is a goat. And I love Michael Cole, but Jim Ross is probably the guy for me. But I'll just say this. I, I, I. I'm starting to lean towards Michael Cole being the gold, the the greatest announcer of all time. Because, and to hear to hear that uh, to hear that from Michael Cole was impressive. Hey, give me a second, guys. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. But the other time I heard emotion from Michael Cole was when Eddie beat Brock No Way Out 2004. Yeah. yeah. That was like the last time I heard like a voice crack or like. Like, you know, just he was really into the moment. But just, oh, um, but that's Michael Cole commentary, essentially. Um, just, I think, he, uh, what sports we were saying, it has, he, uh, Michael Cole has grown on me over the last, especially over the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, th- I think just his whole cadence has changed, you know, overall mm-hmm. as an announcer, and I like it. Yeah. No, it was amazing. And then to cap off night two, the biggest WrestleMania match in the history of all matches. We had You're not done with Brock the superlatives. Lesnar. Keep going. Keep, there's more superlatives. Yeah. There's got to be more. Yeah. Um, Roman and Brock, champion, champion. I was, I mean, it's a bummer because clearly Roman dislocated his shoulder. You can hear him roll to the side and Paul thinks that he's doing the thing. And so Paul's saying his stuff. And you hear Roman say, Paul, listen to me. Listen to me. My shoulder's banged up. Something's wrong with my shoulder. And then he goes, it's out. It's out, Paul. And he's like, it's out. And Paul just is still going, oh, you can do it, Travis. You can go. And he's like, not listening. After Roman was like, listen to me. I'm the captain. But then you see him roll over to, to Brock and tell Brock. And you see Brock say some stuff. And they're going back and forth a little bit. And I think that they're just like, it's not worth it. Because I think they know that... As much as I saw people even criticize, why couldn't he just keep going? Pop it in and keep going. It was like Finn Balor with the Universal title. Keep going. Well, Finn Balor was out for six months, eight months, nine months after that. Maybe you don't aggravate it. It's Triple H just said when he tore his hamstrings, he wished he didn't keep going. You know what I mean? Triple H said that that's why he stopped Daniel Bryan. It was because he wished someone had stopped him. You know? like right. There's right. a lot we know now about injuries and making it worse and and they also know that you want to be the one to go there roman knowing football and we also don't know people's schedules we don't know what people are gonna be doing maybe brock's like look i can't do a bunch more right now maybe it's all like roman is your guy by hell or high water he's walking out on top and the last thing we're gonna do is keep him out of the ring for eight months and because he's injured you know what i mean so one move after that it's done 
You see Roman walk over to the top rope, grab it, lean back real hard, pop his thing back in place, and you see him let go, fuck. Michael Cole and Corey with the with the call on that. I think he's put it back. Corey Graves, you can see his eyes bugging as he's all like, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it was a... Yeah, it was. I think it was the right move, although I don't know what the right move is or isn't because I'm not trained the way they are. But I think that whatever it takes to not aggravate your top star and keep them out longer. So it felt a little rushed at the very end. It was ultimately a 12-minute match, and I don't know that they would have gone more than another 10 minutes. I think they probably would have gone 10 more minutes. But Roman was going to come out on top. It could have been... I think that the biggest problem this match had was being billed as the biggest match of all time uh, and then having an injury happen. Because I think had the injury not happened, I think it probably would have been a lot more. Uh, what do you think, Graham? What do you think about this? I'm with you, Marsh. Obviously, at the end there, that does uh, you know shorten shorten the... Um, you know, it takes away a little bit from the, the moniker of the greatest match in WrestleMania history. Um. You know, even because even the uh, pay per view ended like ten minutes of the hour, it yep. ended earlier, so it added to which we'll uh, we'll get into the um, epilogue in a moment. What we think is going to happen from here, but in the match itself, just it was a Brock Lesnar match, Roman match, out of their other WrestleMania matches. I mean, it was it was it was all right. I mean, thirty one was pretty violent. That was a yep. very very tough match, but just overall speaking. For this match, it was a good match. Uh, Roman winning was the move. I think Lester will go away for a while um, mm-hmm. because at this point he did his good guy cowboy act. You know, you know, just uh, it was all good. I think now this is cementing Roman double titles, double title Roman. You know, it, it, it just solidified he is the he is the man. He is the man of 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 all wrestling, all of pro wrestling. He is now the pinnacle of that. Yeah. Um, just and he's represents that way. Um, I, in terms of the the, the where do we go um, outside of the match? Uh, you know, on Raw, uh, pretty much we were touted all all Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns is going to talk. Roman Reigns is going to talk. Finally talks. Tune into SmackDown. Yeah. Just you know, just kind of you know, punted into SmackDown, which is fine, but just you know, hey, because. You know, uh, be, um, just looking at the overall overall magnitude of the match, I think saying it's the greatest wrestling match or the greatest match in WrestleMania history. Biggest. biggest. I think biggest. Excuse me, biggest. Okay. It's, it's more. It's more measuring the impact yes. of the match. It's not yes. the match itself. I think. Well, it is the match itself, but just the impact. What does this mean? One person now holds both heavyweight titles at one time. Where do we go from here as as a uh, as a champion? Where does he go from here as a champion? Yeah, exactly, and that's why I was correcting you on greatest versus biggest because I think I think you're right. I think it was the biggest because its impact is such that it's going to end this massive feud that's been going on for fucking eight years, and the winner is going to be the definitive winner and unify the titles. That's the biggest moment that we're going to have moving forward and and where it goes from there the match itself wasn't going to be the technical masterpiece but it also was cut a little short a little bit of a bummer uh beard what do you think uh nobody here i can't hear you there you go beard let me speak for kevlar on this okay kev 
I know you're out baseballing it up with your kid. I loved the Brock Lesnar with the ponytail mm -hmm. and the and the my grandfather wore you know the plaid flannel that farm shit kicking Saskatchewan rancher I wanted to see Lesnar win not because I hate Roman and I kind of hate Roman um, just because I appreciated that Lesnar character so much uh, and again uh, Grim Reaper you know I'm an MMA fan fucking hated Lesnar. Cheered my ass off when he got liver kicked into retirement by Alistair Overeem. And he, he wrestled like five. He did like five more MMA fights. I, I cheered for Brock when he choked out Frank Mir. Like I, I, I was no, one I of those. I like Frank Mir. Nope, I was a Frank Mir fan. Sorry. No, I fucking hated Brock Lesnar. I'm a diehard MMA fan. Um, I I never rooted for him. Not one time in MMA. I root, When he came back with the thing, and when he was on Pat's show, and you learn the human being that this man is. And, dude, I, I was in the military with a, with a woman that went to college with Brock Lesnar and knew him and said, yeah, he was a great guy and stuff. Like So I knew, like, backstory on him didn't phase me. Uh, this was the first time I ever rooted for uh, uh, Brock Lesnar. Huge, unlike uh, Ron, un, very similar to Ronda Rousey. Very similar parallel lines for me as a wrestling fan. Big fan. Again, like, I liked Ronda in movies and stuff. I was like, good for her. I hope she makes it big in wrestling because or in movies and wrestling or whatever. Uh, I, I'm i still not... I don't get the Roman thing. I, I get it. He, you know, I... He's not... Even, he couldn't fucking hold Stone Cold's jockstrap. He's not The Rock. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's nowhere near that. He shouldn't even be in the same fucking breath in my fucking opinion. And I'm hearing this from diehard wrestling fans that he's the GOAT. Sorry, no. And I will never be on this train at all. He's not a GOAT? He's yet, not. He's not. A, he's not if, well, because remember, he's still in the, the prime of his career. He's in his mid thirties, like he has a lot. He's been in the the main event spotlight for how many years now? But mm -hmm. it's finally clicked, though. I mean, and, and well, the fans have been forced into they've been beaten in submission, in my opinion. That they, a few years ago, them. absolutely right. I'm with you 100. percent He wasn't clicking with the audience, but now he is. Over the last two years, can I caveat the this? Has been looking Hold for on, him. Let can me I got this. you. I got you. WWE Evil came. On Peacock, WWE Evil. And I got to learn about Joe, not Roman Reigns, the guy that's Joe. I've become a fan. Uh, and I'm fine with him retaining the title. Um, and he can continue to do so. Um, but they better, this better pay off. Like, this needs to be the best payoff of all time. Like, Ref Marsh talked about. Becky Lynch at the four-year payoff with uh, Bianca Belair. Dude, I don't know. We, 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 we fantasy book all the time, The Rock and stuff like that, which it will have to be because it can't be Stone Cold, obviously, because Stone Cold has said he can't wrestle him again, even though I, I think he would if he could. Never say never. 
Well, he did against Kevin <laughs> Owens. It was awesome. But uh, I think WrestleMania 40, we're going to get The Rock and Roman Reigns. 39. No, I think 40. I think we're going to go. I think it's Two the years? long game. I think, it's the, rock? Long, I think okay. it's the long game. I think it's the long game. And I think you you better be patient if you hate Roman Reigns. Uh, and I think The Rock will beat him then. I think The Rock will then retire and get into WWE all fame, which he rightfully deserves to be. Um, and I, I respect what Roman's doing. Uh, I'm going to be very interested in the promos and the stuff he does because we think he's probably not healthy because maybe he actually got his arm cumbered into getting the fucking, you know, torn labrum or whatever the fuck you get in your shoulder. Uh, I, I initially, when the live stream, if you watch, I, I fucking hated the match, but I missed a good portion of it because I had some technical difficulties. I stream everything. We have great internet here in Alaska, but uh, <laughs> that sounds like an oxymoron, but I actually do have great internet. Um, I I was very much mentally prepared for Roman to win. I thought it would be better if they carried the Brock story, but I don't know Brock's contract details, this, that, and the other. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because we've talked about this ad nauseum, I feel like, on the Wrestling on the Rock show. I'll just say this, and we're I think we're burgeoning on, what, th- three and a half hours for the show? But rightfully so when it comes to such a spectacular WrestleMania. I felt like it was a little bit of a kick in the nuts based on how great the whole entire WrestleMania was. But if Roman actually got his shoulder hurt, it made sense. And actually when they did it, it made sense. And I I have so much less of a problem of it. I feel like... Ref Marshall will tell you, I was super critical when it initially happened. I kind of, I want to retract the whole thing. I want to retract my whole thing. Brock got the suplex city in. He got the F5 in. Um, we didn't talk about the match. I thought the best finishing moves were the, were the RKOs that were done like midair. I think, didn't, didn't Roman catch Brock with the, the thing midair with the spear? That was pretty amazing. And I, I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. March, with him holding both championships now, we have the WWE title and the Universal title. How do you see this year playing out with Roman? Let's just play it. Fantasy book it. I Does think, he lose one of them? Does he hold on to both of them? Is he the unified champion for another year? How do we how do we play this out? I think that the only reason you had to have such a title reign with with Roman was because of the Brock story. He had the story was that Roman was trying to erase the history of Brock Lesnar by taking all of his accolades and take, claiming him as his own. Uh, even so much as taking the the wise man Paul Heyman, so people would stop talking about Brock and Paul and start talking about Roman and, and Paul. Um, so I think that at this point he could suffer a loss of the title and regain it, which could make the stories a little more interesting. Um, so I don't think he holds it all the way to mania. I don't think he holds it all the way to the mania after. Um, but I do think he regains it before both manias at a certain point. Uh, what beard? All I'm saying is, would you care tomorrow if you relinquished the WWE championship title? 
Like yes. I don't think he needs it. You would? Yes. Let him let him just be like because I want to know. Like I feel like Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins on Raw would be awesome, and so let them fight for a vacant title where Roman's like, I don't need this. I just got it for Brock. Because the only reason I say that, Ref Marsh, is I don't even think that Brock would have had this title if we didn't have the whole COVID thing on day one and then Big E getting hurt and yada yada. Bobby Lashley had some injuries and stuff like that. I feel like you have so much more potential on the Raw side. to You can't not have a title involved. And so that's why I think that, like, Roman doesn't have to have both titles to he has a universal title. That already is sort of the unified title, is it not? So I don't I don't know that I'm you're gonna disagree with me, I think, but it just feels like it's just we are you gonna hold the whole roster hostage for a year to kind of resolve this? It doesn't make sense to me. You're right in that we do need Two champ, two different titles on two different shows. We need them yeah. split, right? Yeah. I'm gonna harken back to when Becky Lynch won both titles at WrestleMania 35. Uh, Becky two belts, right? Right. And she was the Raw Women's Champion. She won it from Ronda. Won the SmackDown title from Charlotte. Both titles were on the line in the match. You move on, move on. A couple of months later, at Money in the Bank 19, she had to defend both championships. She beat Lacey Evans for the Raw title. And then right away, Charlotte came right down the ramp and said, I want my match right now. Okay, right as the match was going on, Lacey Evans, women's right to the face, Charlotte boot, Charlotte wins the SmackDown title from Becky. But then Becky continues to hold on to the Raw Women's Championship all throughout WrestleMania against Shayna. Then money in the bank. Then she goes and you know becomes a mom, gives it to Asuka, wins it right back from Bianca when she comes back from SummerSlam and has a 500-day continuous active reign as Raw champion. Yeah. So, so Roman could technically lose the WWE title as and long as he holds like the Universal title because Universal title has the 600-day reign he's going to have. Yeah. He'll get exactly. to 1,000 days next year or something. So he'll lose the WWE title, be it a triple threat match where he's not involved in the decision, but then he it's a two-title match. Like, they could work it through. So if he loses the, the WWE title to someone else, that's fine, as long as he's still the universal champion. That That's how I'm trying to yes, measure it in my mind. The problem with, with Roman coming out and just saying, I don't want this piece of shit title, is you've now turned your world title into a piece of shit title. And no matter well, who holds it will always be a piece of shit title holder. So I think that it's, on, it's better to screw someone. We're not saying that. We're not saying that. We're not saying that, Rev Marsh. We're saying okay. exactly what he said. <laughs> he wins a championship, and then the yeah. money in the bank person comes in at, right afterwards and wins it, and he loses. Not unlike Big E got the title in the first place. We're not trying to, de- like, deface the, the WWE championship. We're just saying, Beard. like, Beard. we're going to hold on entire Beard. show. Beard. All I'm saying is you asked me directly, would I mind if he came out and said, I don't want this title and relinquish it? That's yeah, my yeah, answer, sorry. is that it would right. defame right. that title. Right. What don't I'm saying is you... Don't do that. Don't okay. do that. What I'm, okay, what I'm saying is that what Grim Reaper position that you agreed with is also what I agree with. 
But right, to answer okay. your original question, yeah, that's sorry. why I wouldn't want him to do that because it would shit on it. That's why the idea of the money in the bank coming up so soon is so important because then it creates an interesting dynamic of how are one of those titles going to come off Roman, which goes oh, yeah. back to what I was trying to say to begin with. I think right now you have Roman hold both, and we have a few interesting storylines as possibilities where we can flip it to a Cody. We can flip it to a Bobby Lashley, uh, a Drew McIntyre, a Happy Corbin. All of them look like world title contenders right now coming out of this, which makes it really interesting, which makes Money in the Bank really interesting because you get all those guys, including a Seth, inside of a ladder match for Money in the Bank, and you start thinking, who's going to screw over Roman for one of those titles? That could be a lot of fun because, again, I don't think Roman needs to hold both titles by any means all the way to Mania. I think he drops at least one, if not both, and gets one back because he doesn't need the record anymore. He already has the record. He holds yeah, yeah. it, you know? Yeah, that's why I thought he would maybe lose to Brock. I, I'm yes. sorry, Rev Marsh, 100%. Gotcha. I, I, we're, in, we're, we're in the same, we're in the yes. same realm. Of yes, I, we're I, good. I, I didn't mean I, – I think when I said – Roman just relinquished the title. I meant like some money in the bank. You just got to do right. it right, right? He just doesn't throw it away like it doesn't mean anything. It means something. Yeah, but people have because... positioned that as an option. They say, oh, he should just relinquish it and let yeah, it be a tournament. No, no. And yeah, I don't like I'm that sorry. idea at all. You don't relinquish, um, you relinquish the WWE championship. That right? <laughs> yeah, I should have articulated that with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or how do we get one off of it? Right? I, but Peter, that's I, a valid, it's, that it's a good point. It's a valid point of view. Like, when we lose the title, but then we just talk through it from there. So it's it's just overall saying the prestige of both championships. That's what Roman's going for right now. I'm in yes. God mode. Yes. I'm in God mode. The bloodline has the tag titles. They have four titles up yeah. in the air. Like just, it's crazy right now. You and Grim. a game genie. Hold on. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like I again, I apologize for not articulating it well enough. We have. to. You're not going to hold an entire brand. Like, Raw is not going to be held hostage, right? We're going to go six. When's money in the bank? July. July. July 4th weekend, actually. So it's, it's at, we're uh, gonna go where the Raiders play. Let's go uh, May, June. Is, we're going to go 90-plus days with a brand being held hostage? That's well, the only you can have saying. it where Roman defends uh, one of the other titles every other pay-per-view. So the backlash coming up, he could do the, the yeah. uh, Universal title. And then the June pay-per-view, he could do the WWE and, title, or he could defend both in one night like that. Beard, that would work. Yep, you can do that for sure. And you're saying that he's beholding one of the brands hostage where the reality, or maybe not the reality, but my perspective and probably the perspective of some others, he's the number one moneymaker. Having him on both shows is not holding one hostage. It's giving life to both. So having Roman on both shows for a three-month period before he loses one of them – not a bad little boost of, of visibility. Yeah. I'm not denying that. 100%. Yeah. I feel bad for Roman that he has to put in that kind of work for the next yep. 90 days. That uh, might have been top. my thought process from the get-go. is like, oh, <laughs> yeah. my God, just Roman. Does the guy that is the, the showrunner want to fucking work that kind of incredible hours? But for me, like, uh, all I'm saying is I feel like you could – relinquish it in that sort of defending it on like a yes. week without tarnishing Roman is what I'm saying. So like yeah. next yeah. week yeah. if he defended the raw and lost and then won the you you know like and, and it could be a controversial win. It doesn't mm. have to be 
You know, it could be Seth Rollins taking the title from him on Raw in a week, and, like, he gets help from someone. I'm just I think, saying you're, I think more you're looking towards money in the bank. I think that I want, a part of the deal is an out, and I think that, like, hey, we want you to work double duty, but in three months you won't be working double duty. Becky did it, too. Sometimes it's the cost of being yeah. the number one guy. Yeah, but hold on, Ref Marsh. Out of WrestleMania, what's the storyline you're most excited for? Let me just say this. For me, I want to see what happens with Cody Rhodes. And you can't do that if Roman has both titles unless he's on SmackDown, which it feels like he's not going to be on SmackDown. He's going to be on Raw. I don't know. I want to conjecture because I don't know. I don't work there. Roman's going to be on both, so you can he's push be on both storylines. I know. I get that. But, okay, and that's fair. That's fair. That's and you also I, don't I, want I, Cody to win it tomorrow because Cody's got to chase it because the moment's got to mean something and that's that anticipation that, could that be makes a the WrestleMania payoff. Big. Forty thing too, he could, could. Wait two years to get it. I'd be okay. So, with Beard, you're fo- so you're saying Beard, the number one storyline coming out of WrestleMania is Cody. Okay, for me, Marsh, how about you? What's the yeah for Beard? Yeah, how about you for you, Marsh? What's the number one storyline? Uh, probably Cody's the one I'm most interested in. Okay. Because right. I'm the most curious as to where this is going to go. There's a lot more variables there, and it's a lot more interesting. Not to say a lot of the other ones aren't. Like I'm, I'm always fascinated with what we're going to do with Baron Corbin next because I think he's a top guy and has been for a long time, and they're always clever with how they move him. But yeah, seeing what happens with Corbin will be interesting. But but Cody's the biggest question mark, and it's going to be the highest investment, which is why I think you drag it on as long as you can, you know, so people get that payoff and it blows, you know. My number one coming out of Mania. What are we doing with Ronda? Ronda Rousey, I want to see where she's at. What does this year look like? Is she going to be loser? badass Ronda? Is she, what was that, bro? <laughs> yeah, that loser Ronda. The loser. Yeah, yeah, loser. <laughs> Big out of loser. Um, just honestly, where where is she this year? What identity is she going to have? Is she going to be a tweener badass between yeah. good and bad, whoever she's in the ring with? I just want her to have a very successful year this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do think you could do a best of, of of all worlds, and the person who could screw Roman out of one or both titles could be a Brock Lesnar. You could have a Rock, Dwayne Johnson return, get the titles off of Brock Lesnar, take over the bloodline, and thus turn Roman babyface as he gets punked around by the Rock. And you build up towards a mania where The Rock is taking back his titles and taking back the bloodline. While this asshole Rock from Hollywood comes in and takes it all away uh, after all the hard work he put in. I do think that that's a possibility that can make everybody happy. I have such a tough time seeing The Rock as a a heel, though. It would be tough. (laughs) Especially with Roman. Because I feel like, I still feel like, and I understand after watching the WWE Evil thing... Like, I'm not rooting against Roman, but, like, he was a heel, 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 like, so bad that, like, they were trying to put him over. I asked Ref Marsh this. I, I have a question for you on this, Grim Reaper. Early Roman, he had blue eyes. Like, they made him have blue eyes with contacts or something. I'm like, I'm like he doesn't have blue eyes. Correct. Uh, it was weird to me. Like, they really wanted him to be a baby face, and he just couldn't. Like, they forced it. And then finally, like, the Usos are like, yeah, he just finally was that guy. He was Joe. Like fuck you, motherfuckers! This is what this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be yeah. Joe. I'm gonna, and then everybody's like, because it's authentic, right? So I I just wonder, like, 
It's like trying to make Stone Cold a heel. You can't make The Rock a heel. The, does The Rock play a bad guy in movies? Well, the only time that you see Rock as a heel really is his 04 run, 2004 run, prior to yeah. WrestleMania. Um, he, around WrestleMania, he had that match with Goldberg at Backlash. He had those fun matches with the Hurricane. So you can go back on the network and watch those. He tried. He did the rock concerts where he would make fun of the town and everything. So he yeah, tried yeah. being Hollywood rock with the sunglasses inside and everything. So big belt buckle. He so he tried pushing Cena. it that way. What's that? He was a heel against Cena because he was the too big for to be there and the well, sending in the little Cena's videos and talking Cena shit on tried, Cena. Cena tried pulling that you know, card on The Rock because he started that, you know, that that random interview that came out that Cena talked crap about The Rock a couple years beforehand. And then they dialed into that, calling out the lines on his wrist. Like, just, like, they were just two superstars. Who's going to out out-punch each other on the mic and also in the ring? I think it wasn't a heel versus face thing. It was a, hey, you know, you're not around here anymore. I'm running the place. You're trying to jump in and get, you know, try to jump back in the spotlight. Let's just, you know, fight each other. So I didn't take Brock as the heel back then. If you watch some of those old promos or even there's a rivalry package on uh, Peacock of Rock versus Cena, you can see that that Cena was the good guy in there because The Rock was this asshole from Hollywood coming in and trying to take what Cena had earned. And so, I mean, you wouldn't just have Rock show up and be booed. You'd have over the course of time Rock doing more and more things that would be getting on people's nerves for pushing down Roman who's been carrying the brand for so long they feel loyalty a lot to the guy who's been there and less so towards the other I don't know you ever get to a point where the 100% of the audience is booing but you can get to a point where 100% of the audience is cheering the other guy does that make sense yes all I'll say is is the rock gets paid about 20 million dollars for about three months worth of work and I just don't I don't see him doing a long a long they said that the last time he did a year-long run. Well, I never said it because I wasn't around for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm fucking saying where he is at now, I think he's... I, dude, by the way, huge rock fan. I want him to be the president of the yeah. United States of America. That's how much I love this fucking guy. But even when Rock was here between WrestleMania... So WrestleMania 27, he was the host. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, the interview with The Miz and Cena... And 28 was once in a lifetime. 29 was yep. twice in a lifetime. Yes. Even that time between 28 and 29, he challenged Cena on Raw the, right after Mania on 28. He was out for a few months. Then they did Survivor Series, never before, never again. Rock and yeah. Cena yeah. versus Miz and R-Truth. Yeah. Rock goes away again, comes back, beats CM Punk for the title. Even with the shield interfering, when the lights went out, all that, Vince McMahon restarts the match. Rock wins the title at Rumble, then faces Cena at 29 for the title. Cena beats yeah. The Rock. So even that year-long, even years ago, three or four matches, yeah. it's going to yeah. be the same thing again. Yeah, you only need a few matches with him. The other thing is this, is The Rock, if he comes back, it's not like CM Punk, who came back for the money. The Rock comes back because Roman's his cousin. The Rock comes yeah. back because this is family business. It's an instant storyline. Instant bloodline storyline. I'm fair with that. I think WrestleMania 4, you could do The Rock if if, if uh, Roman Reigns retains the title or titles, depending on how they do this. 
through WrestleMania 40 in, in two years, I just don't know that we're yeah. going to see it. We'll see. I, just, I don't know either. And I don't need, I, you know, Bishop says beware of the fantasy book. I don't need it. I don't need I want to no. see Cody Rhodes. I want to see other stuff. Like, I don't need to see, look, Stone Cold got a send off. I don't need to see Stone Cold the ring ever again. He got to stun Vince. He beat, he got over against Kevin Owens. Thank you, Kevin Owens. You will always be a goat in my mind for doing what you did. Uh, the Pat McAfee stuff, again, like, I don't need to see Stone Cold in the ring again. The well, Rock? Of course, we are. Do you know what I subscribe? Do you know what book I like reading? I like reading the Book of Austin. And you know what my favorite chapter and verse in the Book of Austin is? It's Austin 316. Okay. And Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Yeah. And I just whooped WrestleMania's ass this weekend. Yeah. What a recap. We fit it in under four hours and under one WrestleMania night. We yeah. just fit in the recap of both WrestleMania nights. Yeah, Raw, Raw. Was there something on Raw you wanted me to throw out there you were asking about? Earlier, you were on the mic, producer lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I think we're all good. Congrats to Corey and Carmella getting married. Congrats to Corey and Carmella getting Corey married Carmella. today, saying their I do's. Uh, and I believe two days from now, I believe on Friday, Alexa Bliss gets married to Ryan Cabrera. Uh, 90s pop sensation. We're going to get Lawler on commentary for this for... For Corey? For Corey, and That'll people are going to hate it. People are going to hate it, and I love that. A couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, if you guys want to come back and have a drink with me, Clump, and Miss Amanda Jane as we talk about NXT Stand and Deliver on If It Stood and Delivered, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of the Raw match, and we're going to talk about NXT and whatever the hell seems to be going on on AEW right now, which according to my timeline is not much. So... <laughs> Guys, we will be back tomorrow night for a brand new episode one right here in the dive bar of the IWC. Guys, that's the last call. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I and subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers. I would never have a drink of rest on the rocks.